This week's episode is brought to you by Patreon at patreon.com slash Talking Simpsons. Not only do you get access to every episode a week early and ad-free, but we have tons of extras, including our two newest interviews. We chat with Mike Scully about his time executive producing the show. I ran it through uh, seasons 9 through 12, which I always characterize as the four most consecutive seasons of the show. And we talk with writer Mimi Pond about what it was like to write the first episode of The Simpsons. You know, and I get to be the turd in the punch bowl every single time I tell this story because nobody wants to hear anything bad about The Simpsons. You can find all that and more exclusively on Patreon.com slash Talking Simpsons. I heartily endorse this event or product. Ahoy hoy everybody, welcome to Talking Simpsons, a Twilighty show about that zone. I'm your host, Bob Dervish of Declension Mackie, and this is the Laser Time Podcast Network's chronological exploration of The Simpsons. Who else is here with me today? It's Henry Gilbert, and this will all sound better coming out of Paul Anger. <laughs> Everything does, and who else? Lousy smarch host, Chris Antista. Oh boy, the smarch <laughs> weather is really getting to me, and today's episode is Treehouse of Horror 6. Remember the story, we're newlyweds on our way to Earth Capital. <laughs> Oh, Mork and Mindy reference. That feeling when you get a reference in 1995. I'm sad that I got that. Uh, Today's episode aired on October 29th, 1995. And as always, Chris will tell us what happened on this mythical day in real world history. (gasps) Oh my gosh! Shazbot Bobby, Destruction (laughs) Derby tears it up on PS1. The world was introduced to Jason Lee and Kevin Smith's box office smash, Mallrats. And the baseball network takes a bow. I wanted to explain that a little more because I don't like sports. Strike? Yeah, I don't mm. like sports, uh, but I do love media history. Mm. The Braves won or something. Who gives a shit? Yeah, but they did. I cared in time, but, yes. but that that CBS had was in such financial peril, they had to give away the rights to baseball. So NBC wow. and ABC and the Major League Baseball Corporation teamed up to, for one year to make the Baseball Network because up to, to that point, the uh, like Major League Baseball wasn't producing its own show. It's like their show is produced by ABC and NBC. So it's the first World Series to air on two networks. Wow. Like one game, NBC, next game, ABC. And it's still, to this day, the last World Series to air on ABC. I, but the baseball network, there's a shitty logo and theme. You might hear it on a laser time. Boy, scene. I don't remember that at all. But it's, it was one year, and the player strike totally like bombed it. I obviously didn't see mall rats in theaters. Nobody did. Nobody Anyone did. did. <laughs> Nobody but, likes mall rats. <laughs> but I think a year later, I watched both it and Clerks back-to-back Me on too. VHS. And it... Blew my mind. I like now, it's easy to make fun of Kevin Smith, but it they, was in a world. I, I was at the right age for it. My for dad sure. showed me Clerks the mm. second it came out on video. I don't. I guess he's heard it about an NPR. He was always ahead of the game because of NPR mm. and Laser, the Laser Time Network. We're rediscovering Kevin Smith stuff. We're doing Clerks cartoon commentaries. We just did a commentary for the Clerks movie because Kevin Smith gets shit on a ton. Yeah, and yeah. and uh, but Mallrats. I didn't. I was like, if someone told me the Clerks guy made another movie, I would have gone. That wasn't in the Mallrats marketing. No, no, there, no. There was there were none of the same characters. Ma- Mallrats was supposed to be a titty raunch fest for the of the eighties for the nineties. Yeah, like, that's what it was supposed to. be. That's what it was marketed as. It really was. I was so disappointed when I, like the guy from Clerks made another movie and nobody told me. And I, I yeah. love Mallrats. I will say Clerks does hold up. Uh, Clerks holds up. Please don't rewatch Mallrats. Mallrats it does is fun. not. So my my message to you: you want to see something that doesn't hold up? Mm-hmm. Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back. 
Oh boy. It's, it, yeah. But it's wonderful because like it'd be like making a Marvel movie but you didn't tell anybody what any character's name was <laughs> or like who they are or what this joke means. Like, would... It is a meaningless movie with a, with like the, the score from Beethoven. I had read every Askewniverse <laughs> me, comic me book though so I got every ju- I got every reference I in mean, it. Yeah. And once it was over I was like I can close this chapter in my life now. I feel safe in this. I'm in my mid-twenties now. I'm kind of good. I loved it at the time yeah. because it was like it paid... It, it rewarded you for paying attention to this whole universe, but how did this come in a theater? No one can follow this at all. It doesn't make any sense. But uh, back to Mallrats, there has never been a bigger Mallrats fan than Bob Mackie. I had really? a framed <laughs> Mallrats poster. Uh, Mallrats was my first DVD, and I was never more disappointed when, if you don't, if you don't remember, Mallrats had a huge amount of footage cut out yes, of it, and like, like, oh, another entire movie. subplot. And I was never more excited to see that footage. It is all a Jeremy London subplot, and yeah. he is the He's worst the actor. The worst. In the '90s, he does. Does he work anymore? I don't think his brother, so. His, tw- his identical twin brother, I think, still. Is still he, I would in. quite honestly think that Jeremy London was like uh, this is Hollywood Babylon, but mm-hmm. that she's Stifler mm-hmm. from American Pie. What is said to be David was David Geffen's like houseboy at one time, and that's why he got to be in movies. I would not be surprised if Jeremy London wasn't just some other kept man of an executive oh, who boy. they just shoved into movies and that's why Ooh. you don't see him or uh, Stifler in movies anymore well they do make fun of his acting on the Mallrats commentary that he's he acts terrible. like a chicken he's always crossing his arms like darting his head in and out it's though, weird though I you recall... gotta watch his, t- his tiger beat hair move every Ugh. time he does it I recall watching <laughs> hey, I have that haircut now I, I wanted to stop in the middle of the sentence <laughs> I recall watching the uh, the TV versions of it because they had to add oh scenes to it to make it longer so it was like seeing oh. the deleted scenes oh there God. but in that one they had to redo, I would say, 40% of the dialogue. Yeah. Oh, and Jason Mewes didn't Jason show up. Mewes didn't, didn't show fucking up. show up because he was guy. a drug addict at yeah. the time. It's a different guy. In fact, during, hey, man, this is Noochie Boochies. During some of those Clerks cartoons, you could tell uh, Jason Mewes is like in the middle of a bender. It's like, yeah, that's right, Silent Bob. Kind that's of. That's right, Silent yeah. Bob. The cart- him smoke, the Silent Bob. Cartoon is fascinating. We do that on our Patreon, patreon.com slash laser time. And I think mm-hmm. this speaks to the need that Matt and I... Do people want to... Celebrate Kevin Smith's library at this point, and like, yes, yes, yeah. we do. Yeah, I, I mean, what yeah. I would, well, for one thing, as a professional podcaster, I can't really throw stones at Kevin Smith for giving up films mostly mm-hmm. to be a podcaster. But second, my issue with Kevin Smith now is just these just became like a dad who's just like, no, my daughter is the greatest thing ever. It's like it's it's cool to take pride, but she shouldn't. Maybe not all your movies. <laughs> yeah. It's like, you don't need to cast your wife and your daughter. It's like, the family movie. Sorry, my family. I'll say it a billion times if we go into it further. I think he got a lot of hate because I think everybody thought what he did was easy. Mm -hmm. And I know it looks easy. It makes it look easy. And I know you think you can be Kevin Smith. So my Mm -hmm. question to you is, why aren't you? Yeah. Why don't you do something? Why don't you make something? What hurt Kevin Smith for me as a fan was seeing The Evening with Kevin Smith's, which I actually have. uh, I do love them. They are good. But that is when it finally hit me like, oh, every character in a Kevin Smith movie is Kevin Smith yes. talking yeah. to himself all of the time. Yes. Especially <laughs> Randall. And when I, when oh, come I, on. Come on, Henry. When I saw Clerks 2 and saw Randall say an exact speech from Evening with Kevin Smith about Lord of the Rings, I was like, come on, dude. Like, you. You know, no, what your your problem with, already saw you know what your this. problem with Kevin Smith is, Henry? <laughs> <laughs> last last thing I'll say about Mallrats. You're though. a cigarette. I have one more thing to say. <laughs> uh, the last thing I will say is that one of my favorite things about Mallrats is 
on the, I bet it was Laserdisc commentary mm-hmm. for Clerks. Oh, yes. Is recorded during production of Mallrats. And, like, the executive who's working on Mallrats comes in there and is, like, fluffing up Kevin Smith. Oh. And Kevin Smith is just like, Mallrats is going to be so huge. I'm like, <laughs> Kevin Smith is so full of himself about Mallrats. It's it's such a crystalline point in time. That, Matt, it's a great I thought you were going to mention the same anecdote Matt told me because I think the Chasing Amy Laserdisc, the first, se- the first sentence in the commentary is, Fuck DVD. Yes, and on the DVD version, he uh, he recorded a segment saying I was wrong and apologizing for that. I will say, though, it's going on a bit long, but oh, yeah. my problem with Kevin Smith is I, I was a big fan of him, but what frustrated me about him was, and a lot of creators fall into this trap, especially if you grew up in the 90s, is that, that he insults himself first so you can't. Mm-hmm. And I find that just to be a very self-defeating attitude that I'm kind of sick of now. It's just like, fucking have confidence in what you do. No, we, yes. I will not. <laughs> <laughs> Kevin Smith should have confidence. Yes. So should you, Chris. Yes. But uh, I wasn't talking directly to you, yeah. Chris, but I'm saying everyone out there, it. be proud of what you do. You know, I said I had my last Mallrats story, but... <laughs> This I is also, now turning into the Mallrats laser time. Let's just stop right here. I had it speaks the, to the need. I had the soundtrack to it. Oh, yeah. And listened to it eight million times. Oh, me too. I a skeleton in a suit and tie tells us what we ought to buy. Bag of cocaine into your heart. Support your conscience. That's a start. You only need three chords for any song, really. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and I paid $18 for that CD in I 1998. Know. The CD cost me more than the VHS uh, back in those days. Wow. As a Weezer fanboy, I loved hearing any Weezer B-side. And Suzanne yeah. was the name of the monkey. Yeah. Okay, so we with. definitely need a Kevin Smith episode of Laser Time. Yeah. For sure. Oh, All right, but anyway, uh, Simpsons podcast. I guess right. we're forced to talk about a Treehouse of Horror episode. Blech. Yes, a really those good are one. never good. No, I yes, a really excellent one. This is quite an excellent Treehouse. It, it of is jam packed with lots of stories. In fact, the the intro is just crusty as a headless horseman. There were going to be more uh, scenes with mm. Simpsons characters as different horror villains. Mm. Like I think Ned Flanders was going to be Leatherface. And things like that, but it's like, no, we only have time for for one one thing because these are all stories with a beginning, a middle, and an end, not just like a pastiche of jokes about super speed. Yeah, just want to say, The Legend of Sleepy Hollow for Mm. me is always a Halloween must watch. It's Uh, really, really great. Which version? The Ichabod Crane. Oh, Uh, sorry, the Disney one. Oh, okay. The Ichabod and Mr. Toad. Also, this is the first episode with a writing credit from Steve Topkins. That's right. Who I wanted to go over a little bit like, you heard me, Steve Topkins. (laughs) (laughs) That's a critic reference out there listening to Talking Critic folks. Uh, But that Steve Topkins was fresh off the critic. Mm -hmm. He had worked on seasons one and two and now had would work on The Simpsons from season seven and eight. And... He actually has no full episode writing credit for his entire time there. He only wrote segments in either Treehouses or 22 Shorts Hmm. or the spinoff Showcase. He never did a full written episode, but... Oakley Weinstein, like, say that he was on the level of George Meyer for his contributions to mm. those seasons. Yeah, he's sort of one of those guys that's just in the room making scripts mm. better. And he is one of the few openly Christian Simpsons writers. They, they cite, but it didn't make the shows no. worse. <laughs> no, no, no. He, he, he also worked on the PJs, the Bernie Mac that's show. Right. Now and on Two Hulu. and a Half Men. And, the P- I love yeah. the PJs. It was good. No, it was a good show. It was uh, what they... Produced it in like it's a very segmented show. I didn't realize until I think it was Bob pointed out on one of our things that they had to produce it so far in advance. And I think he might work on uh, the Danny Matheson show on. Mm. Uh, oh, it's called the the, the Netflix show. hit the ranch. Yes, yeah, it's one of those. Well, now it's a controversial show, but to uh, quote uh, to quote Mother Simpson, I don't know who that is. Yes, exactly. <laughs> uh, well, he's Scientology's own felon. Oh, uh, Danny Matheson. Okay. Oh, hi. Yes. Yep. Yes. Okay. Uh, <laughs> sex pervert and sex Scientologist. pervert and Ashton Kutcher friend. 
that that show the ranch is just one of those shows that you see on the netflix looks like oh i guess that exists did you have to check every box for entertainment nobody wanted this fucking show (laughs) they they are going into the red just to have a show a a season premiere every week of something i think we could get a show on netflix (laughs) i read a great argument about i haven't wanted anybody else watch the cloverfield netflix thing i know it's 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 not awful it's just like sorry we could i couldn't stop talking about it because like how much did netflix pay for that because essentially you have to pay whatever that was going to make at the box office but i think that's why they bought it because i don't think it would have done very well i saw someone on twitter say that this is just now an an excuse to shine up what would have been a direct-to-dvd movie and say like no it's the prestige they just they just as of this recording they just bought a universal movie they were like we're not (laughs) releasing this in theaters and so they netflix bought it now bright and because of bright they don't care if the movie's good just Mm -hmm. that it's new bright could have gone in theaters that one could have been released in theaters wouldn't have done well but it could have, i well who's to say i podcasted in a while we <laughs> but okay that opening <laughs> of all the while. simpsons hanging at once that's like, great that's a yeah. gruesome but great even opening. They, they hang a baby in the beginning of the episode yeah. i was like she has to suck her pacifier i wonder if they had a rule of like uh, maggie can't appear that dead yeah like, not the baby an eight-year-old we can hang but a baby that baby did nothing wrong <laughs> except for original sin and i also got to give matt Graney credit every year he comes up with multiple nicknames for himself well meanwhile it's always james hell brooks mm-hmm. and sam sayonara simon oh that sayonara means a lot more now doesn't it <laughs> it means way more things it also means like goodbye women in this office oh, You're not going. Uh, one thing though i think after this season they cut back on how long the halloween names could be because it's just this huge yeah. glowy green font across mm-hmm. the screen kind of like ruining certain shots yes uh, all right so attack of the 50 foot eyesores yes written by john Swartzwelder. it's his first Halloween segment he's done since two. Wow. He, he hadn't worked on a treehouse since Treehouse 2. Uh, but this one is a perfect fit for him because he got his start in writing in the jingle world. Like, unlike Steve Tompkins, for example, who, again, was another Harvard jerk, <laughs> uh, Schwarzwelder came up through just being a, an oddball that other comedy writers really liked. But Yeah, I think uh, George Meyer got him onto SNL, too. Mm-hmm. Um, but the ad agency in this segment is named after the ad agency he worked at. Ah, it was so specific. Yeah. You had to think it had to be based on something. I was like, is this a joke? But it, it's not. It's just what where he worked. And we get our first introduction to Lard Lad. Ah, the Miracle Mile. Where value wears a neon sombrero and there's not a single church or library to offend the eye. There it is! The chain that put the fat in fat southern sheriffs. I want a colossal donut, just like the one on the sign. Don't! Nuts! That's false advertising! Sorry, sir. No refunds. I paid for a colossal donut. <laughs> And I'm gonna get a colossal donut. You don't scare us. So, so I cool. did about an hour of research on this segment alone, looking yeah. up what every uh, mascot is a reference to. This one is the most obvious. You find this Vegas is, Vic. Uh, <laughs> Vegas Vic, yes, and, and his many clones. But this is uh, Lard Lad is actually Bob's big boy. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a mixture of that California donut. Yes, place. I, for, I, need to look um, that up. But I forget Bob's what that is. Big boy. Yeah. Like, yeah. I I've never been to a big boy. Oh, they were life. in Ohio. I heard. Uh, I saw them on a news segment because like it was somebody decrying the fall of America because big boys had been around since like the fifties. I no the twenties. The twenties. Uh, it started as Bob's Pantry in the twenties. It became Bob's Big Boy in nineteen thirty seven. And the original design was designed by Warner Brothers artists because you every store had a statue, and all of a sudden in the eighties. Kids started defacing Bob's big boy statues. And they were never this big. They're like, your height. Boy, that's so... That big boy design so fits like the early 
merry melodies, like little fat kids who sing stupid songs. He, he looks like sure. the Animaniacs version of Bosco. Yeah. Yes, you're right. <laughs> Bob Buddy. Bob. <laughs> who is real. He's a real character, too. So there are many big boy designs. If you go to the wiki, you can find out a lot about big boy, and I did. Mm-hmm. And this version of Lardlad holding the donut aloft is a parody of the 1956 version. He's ah. changed subtly over the years. In some cases, he's not holding anything. He's sort of just like running. So okay. maybe it's like, we're not going to make your kids fat. This, this little big boy's active. <laughs> you're, you're active. He's not a fat little guy who eats burgers. Like this, I I knew Big Boy was a reference because you'd see it in tons of stuff. In in the critic, they had one of him eating the oh, right. burgers dressed as Big Boy and belching. But I didn't know Big Boy as the name of it until Austin Powers, like the the classic. Like his. Well, wasn't oh, the, uh, Dr. Evil's spaceship was a big boy? Yes. Yeah. And Clint Howard had to explain, like, well, actually, big boys are making a resurgence. I days. forgot about <laughs> that joke. Yes. Yeah, it's easy to forget the, the other spaceship that looks like a giant Johnson or Woody from Austin Powell. Well, I know, I've never been to one of these in person. I've never been to a Bob's Big Boy. I'm, it's your garden variety. It might, well, it might as well be a Shoney's or yeah, an Applebee's Ameri- or a whatever. Spoon Americana. Yeah. Uh, so, who are the other guys? Who are the other guys? Yeah, I want to oh, let's uh, get this out of the way now. How about when we get to them, I'll okay. explain them. Oh, all yeah, right. Sorry. But I do want to say, like, Lard Lad, he does debut in this episode. Mm-hmm. Yep. It's it, This is a non-canon episode that introduces kind of a major part of Springfield. It's shocking they didn't have a name for a donut place yeah. in the Simpsons That's world true. until this point. If all you, the times they eat donuts, they never had a name but for it. if you watch the new episodes of The Simpsons, that Lard Lad is there to let you know. He's an iconic piece of Springfield. You right go next. to the Springfield in Orlando Universal, you're seeing yeah. Lard Lad. And I, like, in video games. Mm-hmm. In video games, Lard Lad became a huge... Thing. It's, how you, it's how you know you're in Springfield. And uh, this was the first time I noticed a continuity thing that works. In that, if you're asking yourself, well, why would Homer have never gone to this donut place before to know they don't sell colossal donuts? Mm-hmm. There's a grand opening right. sign when he arrives. So that's how Homer has never been to Lard Lad. I don't know before. if we've seen that Miracle Mile since this episode. No. <laughs> I love that intro, like, to disturb, to, <laughs> to offend the eye. Uh, but yes, Homer steals the big donut. And it's uh, we get a pretty cool little moment here. I got your donut, Lord Lad, and what are you gonna do about it? <laughs> Just those sounds, the sounds of the metal yeah. and plastic or. <laughs> Plaster moving is so perfect. It's yeah. really great sound design. And on the commentary, mm-hmm. David Silverman says, they didn't let us use the Godzilla scream in Monsters, Inc. And David Cohen said, that's because you asked. Uh, <laughs> we didn't ask. Yeah, I wonder about that, how true that is, because you Toho know, is you know very Toho is. litigious. Yeah. Though, in 95, you know, it took they them would two, have been in... It took them two years yeah. to show America Shin Godzilla. That's true. Yeah. Though, uh, so in '95, though, my personal theory—I'm not a Godzilla expert like Brett Elston, mm-hmm. a sometime guest on the show. In '95, they would Toho would have definitely been in bed with Fox to work on Godzilla America. Oh, mm-hmm. you're right. That was so '97. That was '97 or '98 release. That was probably just it's a Sony pretty deal. early. I could also just see Simpson saying like, "Hey, who cares? Or, like, we can just use it as TV." If they, I think the roar comes from a rubber glove. Of run across this, the strings of a stand-up bass and then Ooh. played backwards. That's awesome. Ah. I think that's where... So you could just ask Alf Clausen to you, do it. Anybody can make it. You're <laughs> not even stealing their thing. Mm-hmm. I would think perhaps that 
Pixar and Disney in a film mm-hmm. would be more worried about a lawsuit than Fox on a TV show, perhaps. I felt bad for Silverman. It was also funny to hear Silverman on that mention his Pixar work because this episode, I, we'll get to it later, but this episode must have been his warm-up for working in 3D oh, animation, yeah. which he would later do full-time mm. uh, when he abandoned The Simpsons for Pixar. Ever and then so he came briefly. crawling back. <laughs> uh, but hey, Oh, but I also love just Homer... Homer just drinking beer in his underwear in a giant He's donut. He's drinking a 40, I think, for the I, first it's time. It's so big. It has to be a 40. I yeah. I wondered if it was a 40 or any kind of malt liquor, but could also just be a poorly drawn Duff beer. I like to think that they gave him a 40 just to, uh, he can revel in his decadence. It's I mean, it makes it even more dingy that he's drinking a 40 after robbing. In his, in his underwear. Homer, where did you get that? Get what? A giant donut. Well, I acquired it legally. You can be sure of that. <laughs> I think they brought it in through the same door Extopel Apple Kettle came in through. Oh, that's true. I was going to say it. How else could that thing get in? Uh, but yeah, I love seeing all the... The little jokes about the Zip Boys, who are the Pep Boys, and oh, I've got I've got Pep Boy wisdom to share. And the, and the giant beer, the giant Duff beer guy, who is like the Marlboro Man, or no, he's it's kind of like the Las Vegas uh, yes. smiling cowboy, isn't he? So let me get into it. The Zip okay. Boys, you're right, Henry, a parody of the Pep Boys. Uh, mm-hmm. They were formally named that in 1923. I think it was just like uh, another had another name before that. And mm-hmm. they are caricatures of the original owners, Manny, Mo, and Jack, and they go by those nicknames because two of them are extremely Jewish, uh... and you don't want to be a business. Owner in the 1920s advertising how Jewish you are for some Uh, reason. I can't buy this muffler from a Jew. He's going to Jew me out of mufflers. I think one of them is named like Emmanuel Goldstein or something. It's just like, it is the most Jewish name. Oh, that's terrible. Yes. And what was the other one? Oh, Vegas Vic. Oh, Vegas Vic. So we have Vegas Vic. I want to say that this, they were inspired by a Miller High Life commercial at the time where Hmm. he comes to life and then he drinks with a like a large woman neon sign. But in that commercial, the people aren't celebrating. They're like, that that cowboy stuff is so corny but then he's like I'm actually cool in the, in the Simpsons in the Simpsons they're like yeah let's party with a giant cowboy I drink white trash beer did you know I, I love the like friction you can feel of him crushing yeah. the people under his beer bottle oh, did we say the planter's peanut oh well, yeah then there's Professor, Professor Peanut <laughs> I think it's Bill Hader now and oh, then, is he the official peanut guy? I think yeah. he, or he was the last time I heard him Bill talk. Bill Hader deserves it. He needs a cash in. He does so many cool things. Let him make some money. So Vegas Vic erected in 1951 at the Pioneer Club in Vegas. Mm. Do not confuse him with Wendover Will or River Rick, who are clones <laughs> built to capitalize on the success of Vegas Vic. Ah, I see. Huh. And so I've seen the clone and thought it was the real Vegas Vic. People had made giant neon signs before, but never really a person. And that's why mm. I was like, that's pretty cool. We don't have the internet yet. And uh, I'll stare at this giant cowboy for a while. Also, the amount of people who are murdered by a giant thing in this is so callously and humorously. It absolutely reminds me of King Homer in that, especially when Professor Peanut eats the the people in the car. There's there's more death in this episode than there has been recently in Treehouse of Horror. Yeah. Like so many casual deaths happen. That's true. They they are pretty cool. And, and I just like the animation all over the place is great in this. The the scratching of the Zip Boys' heads on the on the ground here. Fellas, where you going at this hour? Hey, don't scratch up them heads. Good morning, everybody. Panic is gripping Springfield as giant advertising mascots rampage through the city. Perhaps it's part of some daring new ad campaign, but what new product could justify such carnage? A cleanser? A fat-free fudge cake that doesn't let you down in the flavor department like so many others? Let me go! No! Stop! No! 
Oh, gruesome. My, no, this is my one problem with this episode. It is a good act break, but Kent is obviously murdered here. He's dead. <laughs> oh, but you're he will right. Come he comes back, back for the act break. I totally forgot yeah, about that. Everybody does. <laughs> I can't. Yeah, uh, Willie. The crazy old man got his stuff together, and now he runs a Pep Boys or it's Zip too, Boys yeah, or whatever. It's, it's impressive he's running the Zip Boys. I guess they realize, like, well, who's the funniest voice to hear demanding they, the Zip Boys come back? It was like, a funny voice. I like the please stand by dog, but it's not to me as funny as Crazy Kent or Drunk Cameraman. Those That's, are yeah. those are my preferred please stand by. And there's no clip for it, but the Red Devil Realty, I think he's an amalgam of a bunch of devil mascots. There's mm. a great Mr. Show sketch where it's like Anton LaVey <laughs> uh, is complaining about there are too many devil mascots for innocuous products. It's making Satan look bad. <laughs> I did love that one. Uh, uh, that, that episode ended with them just dubbing over an old cartoon. Like Little Lulu cartoon. or whatever. Yes, yeah. I gotta say, this joke makes me laugh more than ever. Oh, me too. But also, this joke hurts more than ever now, too, of a policeman oh. <laughs> casually shooting the wrong person. It was funnier 20 years ago. Ah, oh, they're not so tough. Uh... Chief, that wasn't a monster. That was the captain of the high school basketball team. Uh, yeah, well, yeah, he was turning into a monster, though. <laughs> yeah, it has a different flavor in 2018. Uh, but but I, I, I'm betting the writers were just so excited of like, well, we can't have him actually kill people in a normal episode, but let's have him shoot and murder a tall person. Uh, I wonder if he was the son of very tall man. Oh my God! No wonder he, he, he can only afford a small car. His son is dead. <laughs> I he had find to pay a lot of comical about this situation. <laughs> we'll get to him soon. And, uh, <laughs> also, though, turning into a monster is the actual defense that in real cop shootings. That's days. true. Like, well, how did I know that twelve-year-old boy wasn't turning into a giant scary black man who would kill me? He was in the middle of a marijuana rampage. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, we gotta laugh or else we'll cry. Yes. Like that's uh, uh, so. Then speaking of. Uh, sociopathic behavior. Homer is ready to kill Ned and Mo. This is some real jerk ass Homer here. Hello? Yes? Oh, uh, if you're looking for that big donut of yours, um, Flanders has it. Just smash open his house. He came to life. Good for him. <laughs> Help me, Lord! <laughs> I told you, Flanders has it! Or Mo. Go kill Mo. <laughs> Just give him the donut. Once he has it, that will be the end of all this horror. Well, okay. <laughs> if it'll end horror. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Don't you ever get tired of being wrong all the time? Sometimes. Oh, poor Marge. I, I also yeah. think kicking, killing the dog may be a step too far. You don't know that he's dead. That dog is dead. That dog is dead. But it wasn't clear it was Santos El Helper. That's like, true. It, it, was, was, it was just a brown dog. Uh, I don't like it. Wow, brown. <laughs> I, I mean, animal violence, they've murdered so many people, but animal violence is harder to take. Yeah. That's true. I, I also love the little callback of the Zip Boys pushing their heads around in, in shopping carts. That's really cute. Uh, and because of Lard Lad's uh, rampage, Lisa sees where he came from the uh mm -hmm. the ad company who made him i i just love well i also love that in a previous treehouse 
that would have been the end of like okay we gave it back it's over like in a treehouse one or two that would have been the end of the segment and that they like fuck they fuck you over like no that's not the end like they love killing things too much and lisa goes to the ad agency which you said was named after the one van brunt and churchill (laughs) and uh there are two great little uh jokes in the background one is easy to read 50 million cigarette smokers can't be wrong the other one i needed to go to the internet because it's so illegible it says if you like ike you'll love laramie septic tanks (laughs) (laughs) so i guess the laramie company makes cigarettes and septic tanks but Uh, i love harry shearer's very jowly mm. ad exec monsters well and then he's such a proto madman type like he is totally pulled from the era that Oakley and Weinstein love, which is '60s type dudes. Like he likes a he's he's from the '60s ad exec who's just who would have been on Bewitched or something. Oh, for sure, just yeah. All these guys are just, but he's gotten older. And when I think of what it's like to write a song, I do think of like, don't watch the. Mo- Monsters. Monsters. So can we talk about Paul Anka? I've yeah, got a little before, well, before we hear his tune. A let's... little bio. So he's still alive, born in 1941. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's on the show because on the episode uh, "Grandpa versus Sexual Inadequacy," Marge calls Homer, Rex Harrison, and Paul Anka rolled into All one. Rolled into one. And Paul Anka was like, "Thank you. I want to be on the show now." So they got him on the show thanks to that. Mm-hmm. Um, he broke out in the late 50s with the song "I Confess," but I think the reason the Simpsons writers wanted him on the show because he had a comeback in the 70s, and they loved cheesy 70s stuff in the 90s. Mm-hmm. And he wrote the song, uh, She's Having My Baby. So what a having lovely way. Baby. And I think I might have a clip of that if you want to hear it. I do. Having my baby. <laughs> what a lovely way of saying how much you love me. Having my baby. So cornball. I love it. crap. <laughs> what a lovely way of saying what you're thinking of me. Having a child, I guess, oh is a way to say. Have you heard of? <laughs> you heard the duet versions of that, where a man and a woman sing oh, to one another. Yeah. Um, I'm want... having your baby. He also wrote the Sinatra classic "My Way," which is forever poisoned by being the uh, the first dance of our current uh, president and first Ooh. lady as president. What? And you he haven't did... seen that? I know. I couldn't oh, stand to watch more than two minutes of footage from inauguration day, but his big <laughs> dance was to "My Way," and when. It comes to, I did it my way. He then turns to where he knows a camera is, looks away from his wife, and is singing along to his like, this yeah. has destroyed this song for me I, forever. I don't like it. So the most famous song I think that he wrote is mm-hmm. this next clip right here. That's what? right. What? <laughs> and as Chris has pointed out, every talk show has to ape this. <laughs> yes. God. Oh, I can make so much money off of just this I never get tired of pointing that out. Because that music has now become synonymous with every talk show. It really has. A big band. But this was just the kind of music Johnny Carson liked. Yeah, and let's... So we wanted. To, there were no. There was no music in any talk show. So they all have to do. Well, when they try to do counter that, I think people are just like, "Nah, that's weird. Mm-hmm. I don't like that." And that's actually a uh, big band version of the song "Toot Sweet," which I have a clip of here. Toot Sweet. Paul Anka wrote this, and they adapted it. It's getting there. Whoa! Whoa. <laughs> Man, I want a cocktail now. Yeah. Uh, Man, oh my goodness uh, but a little shout out for Paul Anka I think a lot of younger fans would recognize him he's in Austin Powers I think the first two uh, oh. ladies and gentlemen he plays the song he comes oh, yeah, he breaks the fourth right. wall that's right well, but, and a most... shout out to my Canadian animation fans 
George and the Christmas Star is mm. an ancient and forgotten Christmas oh, special. Yeah. And he wrote all these – he's fantastic at authentic cheese mm. and all these un, horribly un-Christmassy, wonderful 70s gems <laughs> for this lost 80s uh, animation Christmas wow. special. I, well <laughs> – I, as a kid, listened to oldie stations all the time, so I knew his 50s stuff the best, wow. including, like, Diana, or Put Your Head on My Shoulder. What, oh, what's put him, yep. what put him on the map for me is the oh, Mystery yeah. Science Theater episode, Girl's Town. It is one of the most underrated episodes of that series. Watch it. It's got Mamie Van Doren. They the just team. put it out on the last DVD set. Oh, it's it was, so good. They, they held out so long because there's, like, four songs. Songs, they have to license to put it out wow. on DVD. I never thought Girls Town would be out on yeah, DVD. Yeah, Mel Torme's in it. Dick, mm-hmm. Dick Contino from Daddio's in it. The Platters are in it. I wish my name was Dick Contino. <laughs> but yeah, Paul Inka sings two, two or three songs in Girls Town. I think two songs live. And then a third song. He sings the, sing the Girls Town theme with Mamie Van Doren. Yeah, watch your P's and Q's. Or you'll be sent to Girls Town. <laughs> you, know I'm, you know I'm old because Girls Town, that episode, is one of... 12 Mystery Science episodes I bought on eBay on VHS because they were <laughs> wow. impossible to obtain. Yeah. Oh, I tape traded for that boy. Mm. Uh, and so, yes, Mr. Paul Anka. If you stop paying attention to the monsters, they'll lose their powers. But people can't help looking at them. They're wrecking the town. <laughs> you know, maybe a jingle would help. Don't watch the mon... Don't watch the monsters. <laughs> <laughs> well, it'll sound a lot better coming out of Paul Anka. Hey, Springfield! Are you suffering from the heartbreak of monsteritis? <laughs> then take a tip from Mr. Paul Anka! To stop those monsters, <laughs> one, two, three, here's a fresh new way that's trouble free. It's got Paul Anka's guarantee. Guarantee void in Tennessee. Just don't look, just don't look. Boy, that's so mm. great. Oh, I love that song so much. It's really good. So that, that Guarantee Void in Tennessee reminds me of something else. And I think oh, that yeah. in the 90s... Talk Soup. Talk Soup. Can you let me talk about it, please? Sorry. Sorry. It's okay. Yes. Because... Uh, there must have been some consumer rights thing where it didn't. Well, Tennessee had lesser consumer rights laws or no consumer rights laws because in the series Talk Soup, the ones hosted by John Henson, there was this character named Baldo, and when, whenever Baldo appeared after the segment, they would do this long spiel like uh, about all this, you know, void where prohibited. Yeah, exactly. Offer valid in forty nine states. Sorry, Sorry Tennessee. Tennessee. <laughs> so there, yes, yeah. I and, could not find a clip of that anywhere. Yeah, it Talk doesn't Soup exist. is like lost. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, you can th- find I, some best of talk soup compilation. What I meant to grab, I think Harry Shearer's impression there was monster was of the voiceover guy for the Smuckers commercials because he would. I, I didn't find the commercial with a with a, with a name like Schmuckers. It's good. That was also the family feedback commercial narrator. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I mean, maybe he does his own voiceover and commercial. Maybe. Perhaps. But, I yes, I'm dead now. <laughs> He's got to be. For our international listeners, uh, that some states have different laws on that shit, and apparently Tennessee was one of the worst ones. And I just love that Paul Anka has like point to people, like his turned point of mm-hmm. like, 
Guaranteed. It's it's a great image. Do you like that it's the ending of Sphere, where they have to forget about the monsters? <laughs> Man, they ri- it, Crichton ripped them off. Oh, but, uh, I also like Yardley Smith rarely gets to talk outside of her Lisa voice, but her saying, Monsteritis. Yeah. I like that. That's cute. cute. But, cute. And then it gets kind of dark that Lisa threatens to gouge out Homer's eyes if he doesn't stop looking at Lardlad. That's right. And there's a cute little throwback to Homer saying, mmm, sprinkles, <laughs> is the exact line Robo Homer says in Treehouse of Horror 2. Oh, you're right. And I wonder if it's even the exact, like, clip there. But I also want to explain Norman Vincent Peale. Oh, boy. So uh, when the three guys die in a row, first the Paul Bunyan dude falls on the general hospital. Blade the Blue Ox falls on the orphanage. And the magic carpet guy, who is that, by the way, Bob? I have to say, I think like the Red Devil, he's an amalgam of many magic carpet mascots. Because mm-hmm. every I went on Twitter and I asked, like, who is this guy? And everyone had a local carpet dealer mm-hmm. that had a magic carpet guy <laughs> as the mascot. I did, too. I think it was called Remnant Room. Ah. What? Yeah. <laughs> well, so We've the car- got the deals for you. <laughs> Remnant Room. So the carpet guy falls on the birthplace of Norman Vincent Peale, who was a technically a uh, religious leader, but really a cult of personality guy in the 50s who wrote the classic book, The Power of Positive Thinking. Fuck and, him! And many theologians actually don't like him and see him as a guy who twisted the Bible into a worship of narcissism. And would it surprise you to let you know Ooh. that Donald Trump was a parishioner of his in the 50s. The Trump family Ooh. went to Norman Vincent Peale uh, and he said he learned quite a lot from him that his father and mother were buried in services at Norman Vincent Peale's church that uh, Donald Trump was married to Ivana, not Ivanka, his daughter, Ivana, married in Peale's church. This is how I learned a lot of stuff about Peel because there were multiple articles of like, oh, is this who first taught Donald Trump to be a very selfish person who doesn't mm. think of anyone but himself? <laughs> and so that's also Norman Vincent Peel was longtime friends with Nixon and Reagan as well. So quite, quite a great guy, I would say. My question is, though, what is the joke there? I believe some people think that his I don't know what the joke is. Honestly. I'm not sure. I think it's, it's yeah. a it's a name to pull out there. I saw some people say that, well, his he gave a lot to the 50s idea of selfishness and thinking of yourself, narcissism, or the power of positive thinking. Like, just think great things will happen and they'll happen, which is kind of a 50s bury your feelings type thing, which could kind of go into branding and mascots of the 50s, which is what they're fighting. I see. But I, as far as I can tell, there is no direct line you can build from peel to advertisements Hmm. but i don't know listeners if you got if you've got a different thing i'd love to hear from that so i think i have two more mascots we didn't cover so paul bunyan and babe the blue ox erected Uh, in 1936 in bemidji minnesota bemidji as a cheesy roadside attraction back when that happened fargo thing we see yes yep Yep, that's it and also the giant hat you see the Mm -hmm. giant like irish hat in the very beginning if you pause for like a tenth of a second you see it as the mascot for tam o'shanter tax preparation <laughs> oh, okay. yes. And there's also a parody of the Western Exterminator guy. Do you know the guy with the glasses and the mallet? About I've to hit seen the mouse? that mallet hit yeah. the mouse on that. I've seen that mascot mm-hmm. still up. It was on the it's uh, it was on the drive from my old job at Future 
U.S. publishing in the South Bay to San Francisco. There was one of those of him killing some vermin with, <laughs> a, with, with a mallet. Speaking of video games, Color Dreams made an unlicensed game called Pesterminator that is what? a licensed Western Exterminator video game, and it sucks. Wow, man. <laughs> Why would you do that? Uh, and, you know, I'm not going to play that. I'm an Orkin man. My uh, father was an Orkin man. And we already covered the Kang and Kodos thing, but uh, their, their appearance is random, but I did like the Shaz Bob yeah. and Earth Capital. Jazz. I say that all the time on the show, that when I was a little when I was I was not a little kid at this point I guess I've grown up what you're four six or seven years since we started doing the show <laughs> um, but 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 I got that reference Mork and Mindy it was uh it was how Robert Williams said shit on a yeah on an eighty sitcom uh it was it was it was classy Robin Williams Shazbat yeah Shazbat oh Shazbat uh, and then we get to maybe the greatest act break of all time which why don't we actually take a commercial oh, break yeah even as I speak the scourge of advertising could be heading toward your town. Lock your doors, bar your windows, because the next advertisement you see could destroy your house and eat your family. Uh, we'll be right back. The Simpsons will be right back. Are you suffering from podcast-itis? Well, then take a tip from Mr. Henry Gilbert and sign up for patreon.com slash talking simpsons. If you go there, you'll get all the podcasts you can stand and more. If you're not yet a member, for just $5 a month, you'll get access to every episode of Talking Simpsons a week early and ad-free. Access to a ton of exclusive podcasts like interviews with showrunners of The Simpsons, Mike Scully and Bill Oakley, plus the entire first season of Talking Simpsons and our entire analysis of The Critic. And, coming very soon, our exclusive first season of Talking Futurama, where we go through every episode of Futurama's entire first 13 episodes, and the launch of What a Cartoon, our brand new podcast series, where we're going to do this type of thing, but for a random cartoon every week. You're getting so much content just for $5 a month at patreon.com slash talking simpsons. You won't know what to do with yourselves, so check it out. Sure, you could spend your money on erotic cakes, but did you know you could also get yourself a Talking Simpsons t-shirt? The Talking Simpsons official t-shirt is still on sale, and you can get one for yourself at Shirtsickle, or you can find it at tiny.cc slash talking shirt. It's a lovely sky blue done in the style of the Ion Springfield logo by the wonderful Nina Matsumoto, friend of the show. She did such great work on it. Thank you again. And you can get one for yourself starting at just $19.99. It comes in multiple sizes and ships somewhat internationally. So even if you don't live in the United States, you might be able to get your hands on your very own Talking Simpsons t-shirt. Another great way to support the show. That's tiny.cc slash talking shirt. Hey, this is Hank Azaria. You're listening to Talking Simpsons on Laser Time. I didn't know that was a thing. 
Is the world of today getting you down? Well, then why not check in on some of the good stuff that happened this week in movies, TV, games, and more 30, 20, and 10 years ago this very week with our show 302010. Here's a clip from 1987. So this one looking up uh, what Scooby-Doo in the ghoul school is, <laughs> is it's uh, Scooby-Doo ends up at Hogwarts slash uh, Hotel Transylvania. So someone put this up as like the trailer. And it's like, this is clearly the end of the film <laughs> because they're talking about the outcomes for all the characters. <laughs> and it's in the form of a fucking rap by fucking Scrappy-Doo. <laughs> So with the cadets, it was a snap to escape Revolta's trap. Now let's get loose and dance and clap <laughs> while I lay on my scrappy rap. Over there is Daddy Drack, who's glad to have his daughter back. And all the guys from Callaway are here to dance the night away. <laughs> Man, the science is too tight. Man, <laughs> Jump into the past with 302010 every Thursday on LazerTimePodcast.com or iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. I love that. <laughs> Wasn't there a Futurama act break with, with Bender saying we'll be right back? Yeah, I think he did that several times on that. I, I believe that it was in one of the uh, Tales to Astonish. Uh, okay. Wait, that wasn't the name of the episode. Uh, Tales of Interest? Yeah, yeah, Tales of Interest. Tales of Interest. Mm-hmm. Tales to Astonish is was me Marvel. mixing it up with Astonishing <laughs> Tales in Marvel, yes. Mm. Yeah, but all right. Well, now, 45 minutes in the episode, section two, which... They say on the commentary, and I think it is the, one of the scariest ones they've ever done. Like yeah. it's gruesome, and yeah. but Chris, you're the expert on this one oh, because you did a whole podcast on Nightmare on Elm Street, <laughs> an Elm Street nightmare. You can find that at Elm Street. I forget the URL. Just mm-hmm. just Google. It's on Type every it podcast in. service. It's on LaserTimePodcast.com yeah, as well. It's my favorite horror series. It, it, it's super hokey now, but it really it terrified me as a kid. Freddy Krueger was terrifying. It was also impressive when this episode was new. Mm-hmm. Freddy Krueger compared to all the Twilight Zones and other old, old stuff mm-hmm. they parody in Treehouse, this is a very recent oh, yeah. movie for them to parody on the Because Treehouse it actually episodes. involves like people being murder being murdered was the highlight mm-hmm. part of the reason I love Nightmare on Elm Street even the bad ones is because they all they had to be at their core were little tiny music videos <laughs> buried oh, yeah. inside of a horror movie so he, Freddy would kill you in your dreams now we have a skateboard dream and a cartoon <laughs> dream and a power and glove dream he, and he, he literally puts on sunglasses and kills a woman no he doesn't kill he'll hack beach. to death a comic book kid yes. he'll turn someone into a cockroach even the even the worst Freddy movie would have you'd get a good kill or two Dude, four, everyone hates four it's like my favorite because <laughs> everything is over the top and crazy. But it, it was created by from the mind of Wes Craven mm. after he read an article in the LA Times about something that was called Asian Death Syndrome. Mm. <laughs> but it was it's it was it was the early eighties. Was like PTSD yes. killing people. It was it was these people uh, like a people who were coming over to America who were dying in their sleep, but they they mm. felt in their dreams they were being chased. And I think the specific article this guy he's he he thought he couldn't fall asleep. So he's making cups of coffee and trying to stay away because he knew he would die when he went to sleep, and he did. So, and it was, it, it, I don't know. It's wow. it's hard to trust reporting on this from that era, especially when you call it Asian Death Syndrome. Yeah, it, it was like in Weekly of, World News. It does sound like one of those things, like a weird story from the magical Orient. A man runs to yeah. death in his dream. But- oh, and I didn't get the trailer because I remember we got the trailer for Night on Elm Street Nightmare. 
the first trailer for Nightmare on Elm Street is pretty cool in that no one knows who Freddy Krueger is, so he's not mentioned. Mm-hmm. He's never mentioned, and I think that's super important about this because Willie. I don't know if it was just a half-assed like, surrogate, but like, yeah, Freddy Krueger was the janitor at the Elm Street. It actually fits really it feel, well. It fits real well. It's yeah, a, that Willie's not a. Oh, what do they call it? Child torturer? They call child him, murderer. They called him child murderer to imply no nothing sexual yes. was done. Though in the Jackie Earl Haley one, I believe they make it a little more clear oh, yeah, he they did do. sex things with them, too. You can't sell toys of Freddy Krueger if he is a sex... <laughs> and what I like about this timeline, I think what makes a good Simpsons joke uh, a reference is that it has to be over mm. and there were no more Nightmare on Elm Streets at this point they were yeah. done it was a year after New Nightmare right? New Nightmare and a year before Scream so they were super done yeah, yeah. like yeah. Freddy Krueger was over and I think they wouldn't have done it in earlier seasons because it was a, still a popular thing and he was still he hadn't become fully cornball yet due yeah. to overexposure though well, I mean Freddy's I lo- dead <laughs> yes. oh yeah <laughs> but I mean I love Robert England as like the camp he, he leaned into the camp so hard and he's great at it. He's so like, good. But yeah, Freddy Krueger was a janitor who murdered a bunch of the Elm Street children and mm-hmm. the it's awesome. The lore is slowly unspooled throughout the entire series and mm-hmm. Freddy Krueger's TV show uh, but that the parents, he got let off on a technicality. The parents took yep. vigilante justice against him, burned him alive mm-hmm. and he threatened to haunt the children of Elm Street uh, in their dreams for the rest of their life. And, and Six establishes that a sleep demon makes a pact with him. Yeah. It's crazy. And then you find out he is the son of a thousand... Uh, Bastard crazy. son of a thousand maniacs. Like, yeah, yeah. Like, uh, one of the movies has his origin stories. Like, his mother was Five. raped by a thousand maniacs. Like, that's not how biology works. It's like, a, it's a sta- more evil sperm makes more evil children. It's established yeah. in three, and you get to see it in five. Oh, I'm glad they did that. Yeah, it's no, good. it was pretty great. Uh, <laughs> I mean, it's... it's they, show, you don't they don't, you don't see, see anything. No, but I mean, you see the nun be surrounded by men, and then the scene kind of ends. In a mental like, institution. And a guy who looks suspiciously like Robert England. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I guess they imply that that's his father. Uh, but then again, like the... But it's well, implied that like this woman was raped by a hundred mental patients, and no one knows who her father is. Yeah. No one knows who Freddy's father they, is. They did a lot of stuff with the Freddy. Well, they always had to get a new wrinkle to mm. Freddy's origin to... It's weird, Give man. an excuse for him to come back. I mean... Freddy, the Freddy movies are so messy too because each one kind of ends with them going like, "Well, we vanquished Freddy forever." Oh no, we didn't. Well, like, it usually it, that's it, how the segment ends. Yes. <laughs> well, it's perfect. It's just like Freddy one and two mm-hmm. both end with them like, "Well, I guess everything's fine. Let's get into a vehicle." No, mm-hmm. oh, Freddy's no! here. No, no. But that's what's great about oh, rats. The, that's what's great about the device of killing in dreams is that you mm-hmm. never really have to end it and like. Everything can be ambiguous because it's supposed to replicate dreams. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, and that that Willie is definitely terrifying mm-hmm. in Bart's dream. Mm-hmm. Like he pulling his head back and laughing as while wearing the his version of the Freddy sweater, which he does not wear in any other scene in this that episode. The sweater is chosen because it's supposed to be scientifically j- two jarring colors, mm-hmm. and Wes Craven picked the hat. And I'd love to. He tells the story, and I think uh, Never Sleep Again, the documentary. Mm. But listen to Elm Street Nightmare first. <laughs> uh, shout out to Lizzie Cuevas. He mentions he's encountered. He was. It was like the middle of the night, and he encountered a drunk guy stumbling down the street, and he had Freddy's hat, oh. and he's just like, "Hey, boy." And he's like, whole, I'm getting goosebumps just like imagining it in my head. Gross. It seems horrifying. My favorite bit in the first uh, Nightmare on Elm Street is mm-hmm. when he is cutting off his own fingers. Yeah. Like, that is so creepy. In front of Yafet Koto. Yeah. Mm. Uh, the, the first one alone, 
I'd say one, two, and three are all uh, worth watching. They're all worth sure. watching. Even they the bad all, ones are great. I love New- Wes Craven's New Nightmare. Six I, is the only one I would skip. 2003 would give us Freddy vs. Jason, which is amazing. It's actually it's so good. good. So the, the Bart stream... I think the animators really loved being able to break the rules of Bart and do have him do all the cartoony things. Everything Macarena hates is in this first segment. So he, mm-hmm. the first season is like flooded with Simpsons dream sequences, mm-hmm. uh, and they kind of go away for a while, right? Yeah, like they don't they seem to do. Yeah, was that something Matt didn't like? I, I don't think so. I think they just they, they had too much story to tell. I mean, it's hard to write them anymore. Yeah. I guess or they they. But in this There's one, no like, time for subtlety or analogies. We can yeah. just say it. Bart gets to does a lot of extra movements. Not even just the you know the big Tex Avery wild takes or the no sales stuff. It's also just his like like his extra movements are yeah. things he does not do in normal Simpsons. Yeah, visually it's a weird premise to say let's make this cartoon be more like a cartoon. So yes, they move more. Also, there are no hard black lines in the backgrounds; they're all just mm. painted. So mm. from the beginning, you're like the first time you watch it, something does seem off about it, mm-hmm. and then SLH starts talking. <laughs> <laughs> I will say. Uh, Willie is very good at the one-liners that Freddy is known for. He's, though, he's better. He's better than Freddy. Though he does not say bitch all that much. Buckle up, bitch! Man, he sure says bitch a lot! You can run, but you can't hide, bitch! God damn it, Scary Terry. I love being able to watch them in chronological order. Freddy does not say the word bitch until three. Yeah. And the famous scene that I had now have a Christmas ornament of. <laughs> Welcome to prime time, bitch. And Robert England improvised that on set. It, yeah. was just, it was not supposed to be a thing. And he says, I love he said something about it. I've been signing autographs with bitch in it ever since because the producers loved it. Him I, and uh, Jesse from Breaking Bad. Yeah, I was going to say, if he's like <laughs> yeah, Jesse bitch. of just like everybody assumes he said bitch every other line on the show. It's like, maybe you're making up those bitches. I hear he's super sweet about it too. Yeah, I'll call your mom a bitch. Give me the phone. Give me the phone. <laughs> My favorite Jesse line is like, he can't keep getting away with it oh, last I, two seasons. I, I love when he played the game Rage Yes, uh, as, a, as a sign of his inner rage <laughs> with a light gun and yeah. you play Rage with it. Uh, and so uh, also Bart it follows the rules of Nightmare mm-hmm. Bart wakes up with the damage from his dreams it's, a, it's the same damage Nancy gets in the, um, yes yeah that's right mm-hmm. oh man and Nancy that one of the saddest things on that in the Freddy films is that they kill off Nancy in three, yeah. so she could. Yeah. They had to just do a postmodern one for seven. Wes Craven's just new to nightmare bring her back. is one of the coolest things I've ever seen. It only stutters in the ending uh, when it has to be a nightmare. movie. I think it's okay. I think Scream is a better version of that idea. But Heather Langenkamp really can't carry a movie. They're asking <laughs> oh. her to do way too much. But way she's, too she's much. She's got a little kid. It ups the it's ante. True, it's it true. It made me miss mm-hmm. Heather Langenkamp because I was just like, man, I miss her. But it was you're also not like, weird. you're not like her because she has buttheads mouth. Well, <laughs> kind of. Well, it was weird Kinda. to see that movie too, though, because they're like, oh no, James Spader is—he's playing a character. He's not James Spader, but she is Heather Langenkamp. Like yeah. it, it took me out of it a little, but uh, yes, there the damage in dreams continues into the real world. And then he raped me across the chest. And the weirdest thing was, it was that school janitor who mysteriously disappeared. Mm-hmm. Groundskeeper Willie. <gasps> oh my God, Bart. Groundskeeper Willie was in my nightmare too. But he got me with hedge clippers. He ran his floor buffer over me. <laughs> <laughs> Children, I couldn't help monitoring your conversation. There's no mystery about Willie why he simply disappeared. Now, let's have no more curiosity about this bizarre cover-up. <laughs> <laughs> and that's it's one of those things you get mad at at Nightmare on Elm Street, that like kids are dying, mm. and the adults are still covering up. 
the like, story. Well, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> Stop nothing. talking about Nancy. There is no Freddy Krueger. Like, she just name-checked the guy you <laughs> killed from her dreams. Listen to the lady. I like that Nelson is so clean he has a sound effect. <laughs> yes, yeah. No, I noticed in this, so there's damage to all of the kids standing there, visible damage, mm-hmm. except for Millhouse. And I wonder if there was a deleted Millhouse joke in there or something. Mm, maybe. It's weird that no violence would have happened to Millhouse. Like, that... He's hey, the first kid you kill. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. Which I was shocked that he was not the first kid they kill on screen. Oh boy, I love this Martin scene so much. You have three hours to finish. Uh, then put your head down on your desk and sit quietly. Ah, a duet of pleasures. <laughs> so cute. I am the wondrous wizard of Latin. I am a dervish of declension and a conjurer of conjugation with a million hit points and maximum charisma. Morire to die. Mori, he, she, or it. <laughs> You've mastered a dead tongue, but can you handle a live one? <laughs> Wheel him out quietly. It's best the children don't see him. <laughs> oh, just get it out of here. Not into the kindergarten. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to stay quiet during that Rusie Taylor screaming her lungs out. Yeah. It is a horrifying scream. The the only joke to it is just like that it's so terrifying it makes the ha ha funny that it's followed up with but just like ah! Yeah. Ah! I, I borrow the line, a duet of pleasures duet all the time. Pleasure. I, I want to give her credit because like, it's a very specific scream mm-hmm. from Nightmare on Elm Street. Oh. And, it, and it's a very specific, a semi-specific scene because uh, Nightmare on Elm Street 4, I forget her name, but she is killed in class. Is it Sheila? Uh, uh, she's killed okay. in class. Pucker up, bitch. And she, he sucks <laughs> he the life saw, out of this that's girl. That's right, yeah. And she gets wheeled out in front of the whole class. And, oh, yeah. Oh, um, I completely forgot so that. So I don't think that that's the only time that happens in the series. Uh, uh, also, as a kid, I did, or as a 14, 13-year-old seeing this, I was not as into uh, tabletop role-playing games <laughs> as I was, so I didn't get the a million hit points and maximum charisma. <laughs> That's great. And that is some D&D <laughs> statage there, which, again, like I love that in Martin's dreams, he gets to be as gay and dorky as he wants to be. He's like, I am the Latin. The king of Latin. And all the like dorky Harvard jokes about Latin. Yes. I love it. But once again, Willie's line is way too smart for Freddy Krueger. That is a Harvard writer line. That is true. Maurice, you die. You can handle it. Just, yeah, that it's, it's funny to see him strangled by a tongue, but then to see him just like, no, Martin is strangled to death here. I guess it's not as bad. It's as equally bad as being ground up into meat as uh, Martin had been done before. Or no, wait, no, he was he was making himself tired and stringy. Oh, in right. The cage. That's what they call <laughs> Tired and stringy. Uh, but so, yes, we get the origin of Willie where he is murdered by... Threw in action by all the parents, but really? killed nonetheless. He should get revenge against Homer. Yeah, Homer just is, Homer. <laughs> yes, I think this might be line of the show. The start mm, of this, uh... I think so. Yeah, that's the joke. It all started on the thirteenth hour of the thirteenth day of the thirteenth month. We were there to discuss the misprinted calendars the school had purchased. 
Ooh, lousy smart weather. <laughs> Do not touch oh, Willie. Good advice. <laughs> Our next budget item, $12 for doorknob repair. Nay. <laughs> Recharge fire extinguishers. Uh, now this is a free service of the fire department. Nay. Oh, <laughs> uh, lousy smarch weather. Yes. Anytime you're in bad weather, I want to say lousy smarch it's, weather. It's lived on forever. It reminds me of that ALF calendar someone sent us. Uh, if you look underneath, they have Melmackian months for every, ah. and like fake, fake Melmackian holidays. I believe that's uh, still on June, which is Oring on Melmack. They're like, it's like <laughs> Ikea furniture they're named after. <laughs> yeah. But uh, smarch being the 13th month, that would mm. be January. Every it's That would be the 13th month. We're out of smarch now <laughs> and uh, well that's i said that after everybody's like 2016 the worst year ever and then i was like i think january of 2017 is really the smarch of 2016 <laughs> it really is and and yeah so every january 13th at 1 p.m you should celebrate the death of willie and smarch is just such a fucking funny joke it actually obscures almost the also funny don't touch willy yeah good advice <laughs> i didn't for the longest time i didn't take it as like oh homer sees that as a the advice to kids of like don't masturbate don't touch your willy <laughs> but that's finally what he and i just love the punchy editing to like ah three twelve dollars for doorknob repair like it just like smashes into this it. is a free service <laughs> yes, <it's> nay. Free, <laughs> nay, nay. uh and so in the second part of willy's death oh boy we found out about a deleted scene thanks to them that this was when Kirk Van Houten was officially named. Actually. That's right. Mm. Uh, they cut the scene where they respond to his uh, complaint about the spaghetti meals. Mm. But I looked on Frankiak, and I think the first time he's called Kirk is in a Millhouse Divided. Wow. Like, so not until season eight is he called Kirk. Man. But they knew he was Kirk from this episode onward yes. internally. I love this too. Help! Please help me! Willie, please. Mr. Van Houten has the floor. Uh, I, for one, would like to see the cafeteria menus in advance so parents can adjust their dinner menus accordingly. Uh, I don't like the idea of Millhouse having two spaghetti meals in one day. You'll pay for this with your children's blood! All right, how are you going to get them? Skeleton power? <laughs> Strike where you cannot protect them! In there! Great design on Skeleton Willie. I also yeah. love Kirk's choice of words. Very specific. A spaghetti meal. Yeah. I, I borrow uh, that all the time. Meal. Would you like to go out for a hamburger meal with me? <laughs> or and, perhaps a sushi meal. And I love Wiggum's unnecessary taunting of him. Of just like skeleton power. He's not even impressed. Like the yeah. skeleton is talking to me. How are you going to get me? In Nightmare on Elm Street, John Saxon plays one of the main culprits. He's a police and he's officer. A police officer. Yes, that's right. And he is killed by a skeleton. That's so stupid. Three. I like it, but it's so stupid. Yeah, I'm, I'm putting it all together. It's like Ray, Ray Harryhausen like helped out with that. Oh, that's that's such a cool sequence. And then in New Nightmare, isn't John Saxon also murdered? Yes. The, 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 actor. the real actor who was best friends with Heather Lick. Yeah. <laughs> who also disappears from Mitchell, the MST3K classic. John Saxton was in the film and 
just over the radio, they're like, John Saxon characters died in between these scenes. You won't see me. Between again. these episodes. Yes. Between these episodes of the show, mm-hmm. the failed pilot Mitchell. But, oh, I didn't know that. Uh, yeah. They, uh, so Abe is used really good in tiny doses in this episode, including his like, welcome to my world. I yeah. love that line. It also follows the Elm Street path of like the kids realizing we can't run forever. We've got to face him ourselves. Face him in the dream. Yeah, and to battle him in the dream world, it makes it a mental struggle, which is much I always preferred to just like, well, what are we going to do with Jason? I don't know, hit him with something bigger? <laughs> what if we get a gun and shoot him more? Yeah, you always like, need some kind of caveat to take down Freddy. I exactly. think I've complained about this on the air before. I love the first movie so much, but the ending makes no sense. It's like, oh, we just decide we don't believe in you anymore and your power goes away. Just like, you can't just make that up. In the, a Nightmare yeah. on Elm Street? One, yeah. Well, it's it's like, so it ends on like, no, Freddy won. It's true, but it's like when they when they quote unquote get rid of him, she's just like, I don't believe in you anymore. You can't hurt me, and it's just like, well, I'm, I, this sucks. But that's that's why there's so it many, was a fake out by him. Yeah, yeah. So that's why it's an awesome but... interpretation because the everyone who was killed comes back to life and they drive away in an automobile where the convertible where the cover is Freddy Krueger colored, and he laughs. I, I heard Russ Craven hated that. There's multiple endings. Yeah. There were multiple ending shots. It's he just so wanted funny. to make one movie, but they they keep it open every single time. They uh, never close it on Freddy. Though one joke that's real dated in this is the idea of like well we're up really late there's only boring things to watch on tv it's like well in a streaming age that's over yeah. like you you always have something interesting you well, honestly ne- never have to suffer dick cavett ever i again. think it was asian market roundup <laughs> yeah I, I love that just the it, Ooh, the farm report is four hours early so when they go into the dreams mm-hmm. i also love the design in the final dream really does remind me of when they have the dreams about freddy's home and the two little girls who were saying mm-hmm. one two freddy's coming for you oh yeah it reminds me of the same kind of layout except it's the school it's, it, i don't know it's yeah. really cool no, like, I, I love the way the sequence looks i yeah. do wish they had she Terry and Terry as sing, sing yeah. a song, jump and rope. He just did not they have the missed title. that. Yeah, it's yeah. Like too Got much it to last cram year. And uh, but I also love the design of Willie has become he has become his beloved tractor. Oh, this. It, but that, this yeah. is like a straight up cartoon dream. It, like yes. this is the most cartoon The Simpsons has ever been. It, it rules. When I'm done with you, they'll have to do a compost mortem. <laughs> <laughs> Well, he's gone for good. Now I can get back to my normal dreams. Me and Krusty winning the Super Bowl. (laughs) Bart, there's two seconds left. Now listen up. It's your basic Statue of Liberty play. With one twist, you throw it to me. Newt Rockney called it the forward pass. Now, the clock's still running, so it's important we start this play as quickly as possible. Oh, oh, boy. Don't dream about me no more, kid. Help! Lisa, help! Bart, you're in trouble! Wake up! Wait a minute. If you're here, then you've fallen asleep, too. I'm not asleep. I'm just resting my eye. Uh-oh. Ah! So, uh, Newt Rockney, if you want to know who that is. Ronald Reagan. Uh, he was the uh, Notre Dame coach in the early 20th century. He died in 1931, so he's really coaching during those leather helmet days <laughs> where all the best concussions came from. That's all you need to know. Uh, he was played by Jason Momoa in the Drunk History on Newt Rockney. Oh, I didn't wow. know there was one. Okay, <laughs> or wow. I'm confused with a different one. He... But I do know Ronald Reagan played Newt Rockney. Doesn't everybody wish they, when they die, they'd be played by Jason Momoa? <laughs> Jesus, did Christ. he do something important outside of win football games? I mean, he he was just the probably the first na- famous name uh, in the world of football. The mm. first famous Norwegian. I just love that Krusty. 
his his first think of like, well, the standard football play is Statue of Liberty, which is, in case you don't know, which I nope. know because they did it in every cartoon. It is an overly complicated play that never works. It, it's so rarely done in real life. The examples I read about were like only from college games. Like you, it would almost never work in a professional game. But it is, it is a fake pass. You put your two. The quarterback has both hands on the ball. He then lifts both hands up behind him, pretends to have the ball in his right hand while dropping the ball behind his left, behind him oh in his God. left. Does a fake pass with his right hand while, meanwhile, the running back behind him has grabbed the ball he dropped behind him. And it's called Statue of Liberty because when you do the fake pass, you're sort of in the torch holding up position. I, of, I feel like any play that's close to a magic trick should not be on the field. It never works. <laughs> yeah, but, it's like, where's but, the ball? Where's the ball? <laughs> but if you're putting it in a cartoon show like, say, Tiny Toons or mm-hmm. it's on the Brady Bunch, then you're like, all right, Statue of Liberty it, play. It, hut, hut, hut. That sounds like a football play because if you freeze frame any bit of a throw, yes. you might look like the Statue of Liberty. I will admit to watching an episode of the Brady Bunch mm-hmm. last night to try <laughs> on, the, on the wiki page for Statue of Liberty play. This is mentioned... And then an episode of the Brady Bunch is mentioned where they say, like, uh, Michael explains to Peter how to do it. And so I looked up the fucking episode and I watched it. I could not find when he... I, I will admit I half watched it, like, double speed, but I could not find where he explains the Statue does, of Liberty play. Does Jan get her nose broken via Statue of Liberty play? Uh, no, the plot of this one is that <laughs> uh, Michael is training for the big game against their rival uh, high school team. Michael? Well, the, no, wait, Peter, whoever the oldest one Greg. is. Greg. Greg. Greg, sorry. <laughs> Greg is learning all the plays in his playbook. Meanwhile, Jan... No, she's the oldest Brady girl, Marcia. right? Marcia. Marcia, Marcia, Marcia. I'm all over this. <laughs> all right. Marsha is dating, starts dating the captain of the football team from the rival school. And Greg is like, he's only dating you to steal our playbook. <laughs> and then Greg jealous. Makes, makes a great plan to create a fake playbook that he lets the guy steal. So then they're learning from the wrong playbook. But of course... Uh, Mr. Brady is just like, now, Greg, that mm. was wrong. You're just as bad as him for tricking him with that playbook. So $20,000 talking Brady's, hosted yeah. by Henry and nobody cool. else. Uh. It was a bad episode of the Brady's, and I couldn't even find him explaining a Statue of Liberty play. That episode is called uh, Quarterback Snack? It's wow. Like, <laughs> remember, bear in mind, Henry didn't even mention the Terminator 2 reference in the Sinking oh, in yes, the Sand. Oh, yeah, in the Sinking in the Sand it was. <laughs> Instead, yes. he focused on the watching the Brady Bunch. Uh, what kind of well, nerd are you? Well, I also loved they the transformations with plaid on top of it of him trying to get out of the sinky sand was great yeah a bunch of split second transformations mm-hmm. i forgot about that it reminded me of the wizard fight in sword in the stone actually mm-hmm. all the transformations mm-hmm. it's beautiful mm-hmm. it reminded me of feet of clay part two mm-hmm. the batman the animated series ah, yes. episode oh, where man. Clayface turns into all the actors he yeah. portrayed tms is probably best animation in the entire series that's it really is gorgeous i also like that he's so clever with compost mortem but then when he's stuck in the sand he's just like sinky sand, sinky sand. <laughs> sand. <laughs> all his cleverness oh. just gone and it's legitimately scary him rising out of the sand it's really reminds great. me of the tv version of it which is awful yes <laughs> yeah i haven't watched the new it is oh it's it, great it's it, been it's it a it's a one. really good nightmare on Elm street movie mm. like more so than the i haven't read the book but more so than the original yeah it's it just it's just the clown it's creating a bunch of fake scary facades built to scare the specific person. So okay. that's what... In a Freddy movie, if you have a fear, that's the thing Freddy will exploit. Uh, okay. And same, it makes less sense as we go on because that girl didn't like roaches 
and then she becomes a roach. Nobody likes roaches. <laughs> <Yes>. Nobody <laughs> likes roaches. Uh, I mean, I get it for like the girl who's a, whose parents trick uh, pushed her into not not eating anything yep. and making her bulimic, but. Yeah, nobody likes roaches. Open wide, bitch. Uh, so the so Maggie saves the day in very convenient fashion. Yes, I'm by, not unlike the ending of an Elm Street movie. By plugging his bag hole. Yeah, kind of dirty when you think about <laughs> it. I also like the animation of when they land safely on the moon. That it's like they have their own gravity around the moon when they spin around it. It's, it's really a, cute. I like it. It's Bob Anderson and his animation team on this really did a lot of great little flourishes, especially in the Willy section here. Actually, yeah, finally in a very similar kind of, oh, he's not really dead ending to Elm Street, we get a a bit of silliness at the end here. I don't know, Bart. Something tells me Willie's still out there and that he could come back any time in any form and kill us in ways we can't even imagine. Stop! I left my gun on the seat! <laughs> Wait here, please! So we get the yakety sax oh, version of uh, the Simpsons theme. He was just gonna shoot Bart and Lisa yeah. in the head. His final plan was like, I will get off this bus and shoot children in the street. Uh, and in Freddy's Dead, Nightmare on Elm Street Part 6, Freddy returns. How? Via mm-hmm. bus? In a bus. Wow. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. Well, he also kills the... He also ends two on a bus, too, doesn't he? Yes, he does. Yeah. I love that ending because in that film, Freddy represents the sec- the gay urges of the lead character. Please, if you listen to only one episode of Elm Street Nightmare, please, episode two. I love his reaction of like, oh, do you think Freddy's back? When yeah. it's just like, it's like he's getting a boner. <laughs> Freddy's like, could Freddy come back? Oh, boy. That's when a girl, when kissing a girl cures him of his, uh, oh, his Freddy urges. Needs, his That's all it takes. It's one. According to I the haven't actor, tried that yet. Footage, like, from, footage from the movie is so gay, it played in gay nightclubs in wow. the, in the <laughs> Uh, I love that our friend of the show, Louis Peitzman, who we should totally man saying this out loud. I wish it kind of wish I had him on this one. Deputy editor of BuzzFeed Entertainment. Really? Yeah. Wow. Mm-hmm. We need to have him. I I will make this promise henceforth. Mm-hmm. I will do my best to have him on the next Treehouse one because he did. He ranked them all. If you've seen the uh, the list on BuzzFeed that ranks every uh, Treehouse segment mm-hmm. from best to worst to best. That was all Pitesman, and so he. We should totally have him on the next He's one. The best. Mm-hmm. I think kids today don't understand how amazing yeah. this CGI looked in the third segment. Homer Q. In, in terms, I just watched the, the Community season six episode mm. where they go into VR, <laughs> and like that looks intentionally bad. This still looks better. It looks better. And yeah. It, I remember the commercials for this. I. Uh, if listeners remember, mm-hmm. on the Bart Sells of Souls, I talked about watching the preview for the whole season that showed clips from like the first six episodes or so. When they showed Bart saying, cool, man, or Homer's holy holy macaroni, I was like, this is, this is how is this, yeah, possible? Is this possible? This yeah. is impossible. This is this the is Homer greatest Cube, thing baby. that's ever happened. And I will say, it holds up pretty well for being 22 years old totally. and CGI, but... I think the scenes in 3D aren't very funny, but they didn't need to be. They yeah. were just a visual yeah. showcase. I think the jokes yeah. in the in the 3D world are kind of lame. They count on you being impressed. Yeah, like, and, I, and I was. I mean, we were all impressed. That carries a lot of it. And they had gone with Pacific Image Data. Yes. Yes. Which uh, PDI, who up to this point 
had worked on such commercials as the Pillsbury Doughboy. They, he had also done the, which also really holds up, the morphing in the black and black or white. That's right. Yeah. yeah, they were yeah. eventually acquired by DreamWorks, and they yes. made to go on to make ants and, and Shrek but, and, and Shrek, and, and then they were shuttered through. in 2015 because they made a bunch of crap. <laughs> well, yes, yeah, but I do like pointing this out. Toy Story is one month off. Mm-hmm. The world has not really seen it's true. computer animation. And I wanted to ask you, do you remember when you first saw computer animation? I believe the first time I saw computer animation was at a department store in the TV section because mm-hmm. they had some VHS of just a ton of student CGI films, including like some of the first Pixar's like the Tin Soldier the tin toy, one, tin yeah. toy one. They would play that on a loop, and I was spellbound. I was like, Mom, please don't decide on a refrigerator yet <laughs> i have to see all of these that's moving liquid metal it's amazing like i think that's I know it's a probably sh- i saw terminator 2 before yeah. this but an actual entire animated thing that was all cg was probably that yeah, that's I think the first we, time we didn't early really, 90s really know what it was just i just trying i know these episodes are old but like there's nothing feels older than being in a pre-pixar world where this yeah, show yeah. is and still being cg like so unless you were reading the trade which we might not have been we didn't know toy story was even coming mm-hmm. that the movie looked like that and once again toy story changed animation forever there is no no longer any traditionally you can animated argue it hurt it damaged it a bit and i think but, it has uh, one of the most perfect scripts yeah, in the world just like a, really a clockwork script and i will say i was exposed to 3d animation like with the uh, dire straits money for nothing video which david yeah. silverman designed those characters I, oh yeah wow, i didn't know that that's crazy I, well and uh, he says on the commentary he just wanted it to look better than dire straits that's yes i remember i i can't think of a equivalent technology because I remember noticing when I first something hit me, I remember it was a Coke commercial where a, uh, a museum T-Rex skeleton came to life. Oh, yeah. And I was like, how the fuck did they do that? That wasn't drawn. And, and it first occurred to me, and I found out later, that was Pixar. Because Pixar is a company that has existed forever, has a fascinating history. George Lu- Lucas lost it in a bet that was called Howard the Duck. Uh, <laughs> sold it to Steve Jobs, essentially. And, uh, and, and, and they made commercials because you couldn't afford to make an entire movie about it. Uh, in that process because it was so expensive and mm-hmm. so time consuming that the only way you could fund that kind of animation was commercial work mm-hmm. because the money per second was mm-hmm. so high compared to even traditional animation yeah. which is by no means cheap traditional animations isn't cheap either and the reason they went to PDI is because they specialized in character animation mm-hmm. in 3D where mm-hmm. we're talking about Pixar their early shorts were inanimate objects moving yeah. around like uh, unicycles and things like and that even, like I read a bunch about Flight of the Navigator and it, it's it's boring it's boring to read <laughs> technically but like watching this guy tell you about for three years how their big struggle all they were trying to do in flight of the navigator was make a reflective surface mm. and it was like fucking impossible <laughs> or it could crash in the middle of it and like that it, it in 1986 that sold the whole movie reflective technology but i i also think pdi really leveled up their game working on this because they did they learned a lot from david silverman and other like david silverman is a master animator like one of the best of his generation and i don't think it's a surprise that this i think this was the assignment that landed them dreamworks skg and ants which would come Probably. out three years later mm-hmm. so they direct- signed the deal for that so it was like- directed at pdi by tim johnson but it, it's interesting there's a special feature on the disc that like they storyboarded it like a normal episode mm. so they couldn't really behave outside the lines of Simps- what the, Sim- yeah. the simpsons model so i just thought that was fascinating it was really great i i 
I think they learned a lot from there's also a funny bit on the commentary where they say that the animators didn't know what to do with all of Bart's hair but they're like yeah. well no there's a toy yes. there's Bart toys there's been a thousand yeah. toys just add more triangles and it still looks weird but yeah totally. the only CGI I can think of that was on TV before this was the series Reboot which I think was uh, started in 93 or 94 but this looks better than Reboot Reboot looks hideous yeah. and I mean they had to make an entire <laughs> no TV offense, series kids. Yeah. I mean I watched it all but they had to make an entire series yeah. for CGI and they had to cut a lot of corners but this looks so much better than Reboot and we just yeah. watched UHF on the Laser Time Patreon, and there's that sequence oh, yeah. parody in the Dire Straits video, and like, this is the best Hollywood couldn't do. Three years mm-hmm. later, they get to reboot, which still sucks. This is a long process. Yeah. And then eventually the Donkey Kong, <laughs> uh, the Donkey Kong cartoon Bob made us watch last yes. year. I like how... Uh, Listen to it, folks. I like how Weird Al replaces the F-slur with Clampet. <laughs> Look at this Clampet. Uh, it's true. It's it true. Is true. <laughs> oh, and the last thing about PDI, though, I think uh, Chris, mm-hmm. as a fellow Muppet head, will mm-hmm. love. They designed Waldo, Waldo, the first CGI Muppet, which... Jim Henson was so excited to show off in mm-hmm. uh, one of his Henson Hour yeah. specials. And that's another place where I remember discovering CG for the first time. And that's the Muppets 3D, the, right? The, Muppets 3D and the Jim Henson Hour. The yeah. opening had a lot of CG in it. But I, I'm just trying it to... It was one of those things like Henson was like, it's fun to experiment with things. And this CG yeah. is is part of the future. But they still couldn't do a whole episode out of it. You got Absolutely little bits not. of it. So I'm trying to think of some like modern technology like... You're not getting trickles of VR throughout the decade until it eventually becomes the standard. But yes, this looked amazing. I don't know how else to put it. Like, if you didn't see this originally, this might look kind of, like, lame. Especially the water. The water looks like ass. It's just there to show off, really. And I will say that uh, it's not the artist's fault that the uh, PDI was shuttered. Uh, Mm -hmm. Do you remember, like, it was only ten years ago where DreamWorks reigned supreme and, like, Disney and Pixar were trying to catch up. They won the first Oscar for Best Animated Film. Shrek. (laughs) Good for them. Uh, Yeah, they, they made lots of great stuff but they were told to make eight million things and everything uh, needed to be a franchise eventually for the... it was just overload of like i can't see another smug character i just can't. <laughs> yeah and like a peabody and sherman movie that's honestly 20 years too late yes <laughs> yeah. them so much we were too Quiet, old you. they were too old in the <laughs> 90s but like i i would have lapped it up then yeah but though well speaking of cgi boy the Rocky and Bullwinkle in CG, they don't look so good. Ooh, I forgot about that. Yes. Not me. I watched it a bunch. Remember in the film when uh, Robert De Niro does his taxi driver routine? Are uh, you talking to me? That yes. was his first Dirty Grandpa role. Yeah, it was the beginning of the Dirty Grandpa era. But there's, also, a, there's a trailer for that movie that I haven't been able to find. I don't think it's in the actual movie. You're like, and these animated characters have combined with the real world. This is the first time it's happened. And someone's like, you mean like Who Framed Roger Rabbit? This is entirely different. (laughs) I do remember that trailer. That's funny. I do remember that. That was good. But, okay, the other thing that inspired this, though, is a classic Twilight Zone. That's right. From season three, episode 26. Yeah, Twilight Zone, Little Girl Lost, uh, written by Richard Matheson. He's good. Of I Am Legend. I love being able to say that. (laughs) Um, And it involves a little girl who just disappears into a portal to a different dimension in a room. And this is such a great short story. It's really neat. And, like, this is the father discovering his daughter and Serling telling you what's up. What'd you do? Roll underneath? Daddy! Honey, I'm right here. Now, come on out. Come on, you just crawl underneath the bed. (laughs) Tina. Come on, take my hand. Come on. In the... Daddy! Missing one frightened little girl. Named Bettina Miller. 
Description, six years of age, average height and build. Light brown hair, quite pretty. Last seen being tucked in bed by her mother a few hours ago. Last heard, aye, there's the rub, as Hamlet put it. For Bettina Miller can be heard quite clearly, despite the rather curious fact that she can't be seen at all. Present location? Let's say for the moment, in the Twilight Zone. How convenient. <laughs> the scary door. Uh, <laughs> it, it, I, I, I put that, that. that girl just screaming daddy from... Mm-hmm. Being nowhere, it's terrifying to watch. Yeah. It's it's such a great simple premise of mm-hmm. just like that. This could happen to anybody. Yeah. This is just for like no reason. A wormhole can open anywhere for any reason, theoretically. So it could just be in mm-hmm. your wall, and your daughter's just lost. And it's it's like we always. I think Simpsons fans shorthand the name of Homer Cubed as mm. the Tron episode. Oh, yeah. But it's it even the Tron even the Tron bit. It's a Twilight Zone parody, yes. like every season it's so the far. Third dimension instead of the fourth dimension, which yes. is what's in Little. And, Girl and the Lost. influence I couldn't believe that I found is Mist. Yeah, that yeah. it's visually and the it, the whole thing is visually inspired oh, yes, by Mist because yeah. Mist I think is still pound for pound the second best selling video game of all time. Jesus Christ! And mm. that nobody nobody likes or no wants one to talk about, about it, it when some guy when some jerk tried to make his own Mist game. But you all played it. Uh, what was that game, Bob? Which game? That was terrible. The 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 second Mist. The prisoner. No, the witness. Oh, the witness. That sucks. Yeah. Look, read my US Did game everybody review. Everybody play Mist. It's hard. It's difficult to describe. No. I didn't have no. a computer. No. <laughs> No. I will say I'll say I'll say this a thousand times this season, but Oakley and Weinstein patterned season seven after season three, their mm-hmm. favorite TV season ever, and it only makes sense that there's a Twilight Zone parody. Mm-hmm. They're going back to the Twilight Zone parodies that yeah. were in like three and four. Mm-hmm. So I didn't see Little Girl Lost until about eight years ago. It's, I didn't know this was a Twilight yeah, Zone. I didn't parody. even make the connection when it like came up on Netflix yeah. that this was the basis when, for until the, the when it clicked for me was when he drew on the yep. wall in the exact way Frank does it. But, oh, right. but I I can't believe the the they, I can't believe how much Miss visually inspired it, mm. but the Gracie logo at the end. They, they changed the, the Gracie music theme for the Miss theme I for the cyan no opening. Idea. Yeah, I mean, yeah. throughout the uh, Homer being in that space, there is that very new agey, misty mm-hmm. music. And this is the, like, if you open up Miss Cyan, the company that published it, you'd hear this. That definitely sounds like what they play over the credits, too. Yeah, that's, yeah. I, I didn't know that's, that's what they were going for until no. research. You're totally right. I think yeah. uh, at this era in time, most people, would their first experience with 3D mm-hmm. graphics mm-hmm. or 3D modeling Miss. would be missed, yeah. for sure. Well, because these are rich dorks, yes. uh, the writers, mm-hmm. and so they probably just got their first CD-ROM drive computer, I mean, this segment, so they're going to play Miss. This segment is written by a guy with a PhD in computer science. Is well, yeah, really? David also, S. Cohen, yeah. This okay, is yeah. proto-Futurama, oh, for sure. if anything. Mm-hmm. There was a bunch of math shit written on Frank's chalkboard that I could tell you what it means, but it wouldn't mean anything to you. <laughs> yeah. David Cohen is like, this is based on something, something's wager. It also, it, it <laughs> I love it that there is a... There's this, is, a this is Hitler's net. <laughs> so there's wow. a number in the background, there's a math equation that's wrong. And that Mike Reese tells this fun. I heard him in an interview tell this funny story about David Cohen of like, Mike Reese is also a smart dude. He went to Harvard and learned math stuff there. And he's like, hey, wait, no, this this is mathematically wrong, this thing you put in the background. And then David X. Cohen is like, 
Ah, actually, it is a classic thing that people get wrong, but it is actually proven true through this mm. equation. It's like, Jesus Christ. The one dude. thing I remember is uh, Frink Rules is written out in ASCII <laughs> yes, on the yeah. chalkboard. <laughs> that's that's the right. early alien ease, yeah. I'd say, uh, too. I, it's, I swear to God, Cohen spends about three minutes on the commentary explaining everything that's written on that chalkboard. Yeah. It's, it's great. Well, well Cohen mm. was totally just in the mood of like, well, this is how we do it on Futurama commentary, because yes. I spend minutes explaining I will that. tell you what all my math is. Me. No, no, I, I don't want to make fun of David X. He's got a I think fun he's voice. a genius, but yeah, he's, he's funny. I, uh, but okay, why don't we play a clip from this episode? Yeah. <laughs> Just a second! Huh? I never looked behind this whatchamacallit case before. <laughs> huh? That's weird. Like something out of that Twilighty show about that zone. <laughs> I so, love that line. Patty so and Selma much. have arrived. Uh, another season three throwback. They want to bore people with the post vacation stuff. Yeah, and shelling things also feels like a terrible ant thing to do. Yeah. That like seems like fun, but is actually like <laughs> so manual labor for nothing. You could just suck them out. Oh, she it's like a bloody out. hermit crab mustache. She it's like the grossest like thing specs, I've ever seen. Yeah. Simply animated. Also, when Homer tries to hide in the closet, when Bart and Lisa there notice that the homer bowling ball is on the ah. top shelf there which Ooh. don't put bowling balls on the top shelf of things people yeah. it should really go on the bottom but uh, and <laughs> I, I really want if you watch this again pay attention to the part where both homer and bart enter the cg dimension it's mm. an angle you never see at the simpsons they have to up the frame rate mm. so it looks natural when homer steps through yeah. into 3d it's Th- it's a really it's, yeah. it's the, it, slow it down it looks like one of the weirdest animated things you've seen on the Simpsons Bill Oakley was a big believer that that was the moment to sell you that mm-hmm. that had to work so they put extra effort into that so I could see them extra over animating yeah. 2D Homer there it kind of reminds his saying of that reminded me of hearing like that George Lucas made them redo the first shot of Star Wars eight million times. He's like, this has to work. If this isn't perfect, mm. the entire film fails. And I think it's the same deal Ugh. with this special effects here. Yeah, and that's and that's I, another thing I wanted to point out. I think this is the beginning of this press release stunt of the Treehouse mm. of Horror. Up until this yeah. point, they, they were just Halloween episodes. They didn't. It wasn't newsworthy. There was no big guest. And and now The Simpsons, at least three times a year, has a big giant stunt that it yeah. deviates from form. I think they kind of overdo it now, but it's, it's cute sometimes. A little bit. Oh, glory of glories. Oh, heavenly testament to the eternal majesty of God's creation. Holy macaroni! <laughs> <laughs> You can just suck them out. Hello? <laughs> can anybody hear me? Homer, where are you? Uh, I'm somewhere where I don't know where I am. Do you see towels? If you see towels, you're probably in the linen closet again. Just a second. No, it's a place I've never been before. <laughs> the shower. <laughs> hey! <laughs> hey! <laughs> I love uh, his the echoey voice stuff. is just like Tina's voice mm-hmm. from yeah. Little Lust, which, by the way, Tina, the voice was by a veteran voice actress at the time who had most famously been the brunette stepsister in Cinderella. Oh, really? Dravilla, I 
Oh yeah, character. they're awful. I love yeah. that movie. That was that was uh, the voice of Tina. It was not the girl you see in the episode doing the voice, mm. uh, but just that Homer. Also, the I like the background of that. Like Homer one time was trapped in the linen closet. Yeah, and he was screaming from the house. But I just like it is somewhere where I don't know where I am, uh, and. We get some more stuff of just seeing, like, other than Homer, everything around him is simple static shapes that mm. will not really move all that much or change, uh, and it's just yeah, easy to light. Ever owned a Trapper Keeper? Mm. You're probably <laughs> familiar really with this like imagery. Yeah. Yeah, 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 really. It's like floating balls above, like, marble floors. Mm. <laughs> I also just love this bit of Marge's solution to the oh, problem. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to alarm you, Marge, but I seem to be trapped in here. We better call Ned. He has a ladder. <laughs> What's going on here? I'm so bulgy. My stomach sticks way out in front and my... <laughs> well, as that tree said to the lumberjack, I'm stumped. <gasps> it's like he just disappeared into fat air. <laughs> hey, shut up! <laughs> there's, to- there's totally scoring points off of Homer. It's great. And he can't shut up! Shut up! <laughs> it's just beautiful. Disappearing uh, in the fat air. And uh, that's also, this line doesn't hold up anymore because it doesn't look expensive. No, but no. I, I do love this. Man, this place looks expensive. I feel like I'm wasting a fortune just standing here. Better make the most of it. Uh. <laughs> and then you get stuck in the butt with a cone. I, I gotta shout out that episode of Community. I know most people haven't seen season six, but I love that. The, and Jesus wept that uh, Keith David has designed. Jesus wept. Stop saying a VR <laughs> operating system where you physically have to climb a ladder and open a drawer to create a new file to move a Jeez. folder. And it's a very 1995 concept. So it, is that streaming on the Spongle Network? It's or? on Hulu. Okay, it's on Hulu now. All the Hulu. It didn't pull a CISO and just abandoned its content. Good Yahoo screaming that you needed an Xbox 360 just to watch uh, yes, Community. Yes. Oh, Jesus Christ. But if they didn't pull a CISO and like Chernobyl everything they made. Uh, you like, just can't even you watch. You can't even see it. There's it's gone. There's multiple seasons of shows like, you're not seeing this. They gone. There's, com- there's comedians with specials like, I don't know where it goes. <laughs> yeah, I... I honestly love that Dan Harmon at all defrauded Yahoo of money. They're just like, yeah, we'll do your so. show. Yeah, yeah, he did defraud them of money too. Good for him. Good for him. I That's hope how... we can find a CISO someday to rip off. Oh yeah. Well, but if you want to see what actually looks like expensive CG for The Simpsons now, The Simpsons ride is them in CG. I hate it. I mean, I think it looks all right. I know, I just, when I heard about the CG, I immediately didn't want to ever go on it. it for me, the ride, the, the, like everything around the ride is better mm. than the ride itself. Mm. Uh, well, it, the ride has to move in 3D space, so they can't do 2D animation wouldn't really work. Or they could have worked really hard. And yeah. just made no, a th- I don't see that happening. <laughs> made a 3D world. We've seen cell shady traditional animated they stuff could've. before. It seems yep. lazy to me. when yeah. Every time I... Oh, it's not even cell shaded? No. Weird. No, it, no it's weird. like this. No. The oh, ride is... A, I don't care for well, that. I mean, they didn't spend the money to get Montgomery Burns to be the villain, so mm. they're not gonna... Which he should have been. Not... But Sideshow Bob is a fine villain, and Krusty Land is a fine setting, but, but it's just so vi- weird. Visiting all of burns. Springfield is more rewarding than that ride, I think. Mm. Yes. Oh, mm. yeah. Well, I, can you imagine? I never went to 
uh, Universal when it was just the ride in the Krusty Land exterior and not also Springfield. It feels Hollywood. disappointing. Like, and Hollywood, I think, is getting the rest of Springfield. Oh, it's got full Springfield. Oh, it it's does, actually okay. a bigger Springfield than you, yeah, Orlando. Yeah, take that, Florida. Because they it. have to hide more stuff. So, like, say in Orlando, they don't have the Aztec Theater. In, in Hollywood, they do. Is that a Patreon goal that send us to fucking I'm both parks that. and we can that nerd be, out over who has the what reference? <laughs> Okay, Bob, I have a question for you. you have go you on. seen the movie Tron? No. No. Do you see a light, Homer? Yes. Move into the light, my son. No! Homer, this is your physician, Dr. Julius Hibbert. Can you tell us what it's like in there? Um, it's like, uh, did anyone see the movie Tron? No. 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 Yes. I mean, no. No. Two no's from Wiggum first, and then yes. Wiggum has a lot of Tron shame, so... Don't make me... Don't let me talk too long about Tron. The Tron flop, I mean... And it was considered to be a bad movie, too. It's... I said the same thing about Tron Legacies. Like, is it good? You should see it. It's awesome. Is it any good? No. Yeah, I mean... I do like Kate Beckinsale. I don't like her playing a sexy baby woman. Oh no! Wait, that's not her. Oh, it's not Kate Beckinsale. No, it's uh, no Olivia Wilde. That's right. Okay, she's also nice. And that and that CG doesn't hold up at all. No, no, the the CG Jeff Bridges. Bridges. Oh no, no, no! No. But but Tron. I love the history of Tron. We were in Olympic time. You ever see Animal Olympics? I love that cartoon back then. It's (laughs) too sexy. That that is an inside joke in the Laser Time world. That if you ask somebody if they've seen something, no, then you have to say no like Like three times. No, no, no. no. But I, what's his name? Stephen. I don't. I need to get his name. Uh, the guy. The guy. He made. Uh, how did that work? He was contracted by NBC to make two uh, summer and winter uh, animal animal Olympic cartoons, cartoon. Animal Olympics, oh, okay. and they canceled the Summer Olympics. So like, uh, most whoops. people didn't get to see it. If you were a little kid with HBO in the '80s, like it ran a lot because it was like a cartoon without a home. Pretty mm-hmm. good. Billy Crystal's a voice in it, sure. uh, and that somehow that got the guy. To work on Tron, he got it's still the most. Tron, it's like man. the most notable thing ever, going from animals in the Olympics, it like hyper seventies animation to Tron, and <laughs> Tron, Tron is something that I think everybody has heard about but hasn't really seen. Mm-hmm. And well, they. Disney kind of didn't want you to see it for a very long time. But nerds loved it. They barely made it available, and then they decided <laughs> they'd make a sequel to it, which is just like, but you didn't foster enough nostalgia for it by letting us see it enough. Because that like, sequel was greenlit and shot and made about six months before they acquired Marvel and Star mm. Wars. You will never see Tron again, because Disney does not need to tackle that audience <laughs> with that property ever again. But it was a really magical thing for people a little older than me. Yeah. Like when you, well, you our, our buddy Dan Aaron who mm-hmm. is a little bit older than us he lo- he loves his Flynn Arcade t-shirt he fucking I love, I have loves this, uh, the soundtrack on vinyl it's fucking excellent mm-hmm. and I lo- what I really love about it when Tron came out and Disney said they were making it their animators went apeshit mm-hmm. like this is gonna replace us and like calm the fuck down <laughs> nothing's gonna replace you you're fine and for 20 years they were right yeah and, and now now it, now we find out yeah it is gonna well, replace you for like three decades time. it's yeah. the same deal of like well, cable is being replaced by the internet, just not overnight. Like it's the death of a thousand cuts. It did replace you, but at the time, around the point you were going to retire. <laughs> uh, but I just love no, 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 no. no. Just yes. use it in your life, kids. I, but once a year, I do like to get real baked and watch Ron. <laughs> it's, it's so much fun that way. I, 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 it is an entertaining film. I've never probably watched it all the way through without commercials. I think I've only seen it on TV. Gotta get with that Blu-ray it looks so good. I think the game Discs of Tron is not bad for what it is. Yeah, there's it Tron 
2.0. Yeah. Trying to have some good games. Sure. The original arcade game I yeah. played a lot. And so we get to find out about the third I Told you not to talk about Tron. <laughs> Here is an ordinary square. Whoa, whoa. Slow down, egghead. But <laughs> suppose we extend the square beyond the two dimensions of our universe along the hypothetical z-axis there. <gasps> this forms a three-dimensional object known as a cube or a frinkahedron in honor of its discoverer. Hey, hey. Help me! Are you helping me or are you going on and on? Oh, right. And, of course, within we find the uh, doomed individual. The <laughs> doomed individual. <laughs> I, I really love the idea of 2D cartoon characters being horrified by the idea of a three-dimensional object. They yes. just can't handle it. I love that. And also, <laughs> well, it also frink... Frank here is 8,000% Farnsworth. Like, this oh, is just, yes. this is all Farnsworth does, except he's just older. But it's the same deal of, like, time to explain a thing that I'm interested in. They're doomed. Yeah, he's also like, oh, oh my, no, you're definitely dead. And also, Frank has an advanced degree in hyperbolic topology, which is a great joke. A great joke. I also love the gag of Lisa... Lisa turning off the light as he says the third dimension. When she says sorry, it's like a season two kind of squiggly smile she's mm. got there. It's stuff that they would not let go in the animation usually there. Then we get a nice, another quick Abe joke of him being a hundred years old. <laughs> With his old, like, big daddy diving Somebody costume. Work the bellows. And uh, then Bart dives in, which when I first watched this, I was like, we're going to get to see Bart in CG2? Oh, boy. That was a surprise because, you know, being 13 or whatever, I was savvy enough to be like, yes, this is expensive. We're yeah. just going to get Homer. And then when Bart jumps in, it's like, holy shit, they yeah. got Bart in there, yeah. too. But the it's, marketing didn't reveal that either. Yeah, you know? it was yeah. a real extra treat. Mm-hmm. I like that a lot. And Bart's plan to save him is uh, not very good. But... No, it sucks. <laughs> I can't get any closer. You'll have to jump. He's the king, son. He doesn't even try to jump. He takes it like a half step. <laughs> he just step. dives into the hole. Yeah, he does yeah. it on purpose. Uh, but it's just so beautiful the way Bart, like, also, when there's no ground anymore, the way Bart kind of wiggles in air and is then pulled like, back I like in. how he sucked back into the 2D world. And that they CG animated that rope, but it moved mm-hmm. pretty good for mm-hmm. rope, I have to say. <laughs> Don't look too hard at the top of Bart's head, though. No, it's, no. It's frightening. It looks like well, a bowl of nachos. Well, as a kid, I loved my Bart toys, but I also mm. would stare at him like, how does this work? It's just a ton of little cones on yeah. top of his head. Uh, but yeah, so then we get to the ending here, which is kind of cute, kind of funny. Bart, what happened? Well, we hit a little snag when the universe sort of collapsed on itself. But Dad seemed cautiously optimistic. (laughs) Be strong, Marge. I'm sure he's gone to a better place. This is the worst place yet. Oh, Oh my God, look at this. Ooh, erotic cakes. So this new universe has erotic cakes, so it's all fine. Homer's gonna be okay, and that's even more visually impressive. Yeah, 3D CGI in the real world. Sorry, Chris. And like, like, well, like Bart and coming in. That, that was one more thing we didn't expect. Like, yeah. we knew we were gonna have Homer in a CG world, but not bring Homer into our world. Homer into our world. He is reflected in the window to erotic cakes, which yeah. is also like. 
a little thing they didn't have to do. Nobody would have judged them for not animating a shadow on him. Or yeah, the, I'm not trying mirror. to shame you people for not being around in 1995. <laughs> I'm just trying to express how fucking magical this... How, uh, an episode I was already going to love no matter what they did. This is Grandpa like, explaining the radio. Uh, yes. It was, it was, it was, it was everybody so loved oh, the radio. the sound would come across the airwaves and you'd hear it. I will say I just watched a funny... Patrick Stewart SNL sketch about erotic cakes. I love that sketch of, love of an episode I prepare of Laser Time I prepare for you guys. Oh, it was all like just asses, last night, right? Yeah, no, like, all women going to the bathroom. Oh, all yeah. women going to the bathroom. So, <laughs> if you want to so visit, going to the bathroom. <laughs> if you want to visit, is. if you want to visit the erotic cake store. Go to 13567 Ventura Boulevard in Sherman Oaks, California. At the time, it was a photography store. It is now a cafe called The Coffee Roaster. Okay. So uh, on our Simpsons field trip, we can visit that place, too. All we, right. We but, have an erotic cake store like a block away, but it's like one of those things I've never seen open and just assuming it's a front for something. It's got to be. <laughs> <laughs> Who really wants an erotic cake? Like, yeah. really? Like, that has to be a very small market. It's, you tell I, me erotic pies, I'm in. Mm. <laughs> I wonder Rhubarb. if I got a job at that erotic cake store or something <laughs> in, in our universe. I, I don't Just know, really but, stick my face in it. <laughs> but so, this is the first live action ever filmed for The Simpsons. True. In a regular episode. I, Springfield's Most Wanted does not count. It doesn't. And David Merkin directed this. Yes. Mm-hmm. And he got a crane. Mm-hmm. He managed to get a crane out of the budget for that shot. I yeah. love that on the commentary is so clear of like, Fox could not have been more unhelpful. They really sucked. They did not want to spend any money on you this can, shot. And I love that you can see in the shot it was done so haphazardly the crane kind of bobs, bobs a little bit. Yeah. And you look in the background you can see a bunch of pissed off people stopped in traffic uh, when the crane starts moving you can see the cars start moving and you can see the cones as well for yeah. when they blocked off part of the street oh i didn't see that it's, it's, it's something that, that like in a real live action production you would have done it again yeah but it, that wasn't the point but david merkin and david merkin had filmed actual movies so he knows what it's like to work with a real crane mm-hmm. but that's also i now see after rewatching little girl lost is it also ends with a crane up from mm. the oh, wow. street so i wonder if that was an intentional connection to hmm, the maybe. twilight zone but the music is uh beautiful that's going to be the music taking us out it's really great episode. and one last thing i want to say is uh, oakley and weinstein were so proud of this segment and rightfully so they submitted this episode for the emmy and they lost to the Pinky and the Brain Christmas special, which is also a very good episode of Pinky and the Brain. Which it's, one is that? It's just the Christmas special. I, got, I, got, uh, I get mad when I hear it. I keep, I'm tired of saying it in front of both of you. <laughs> the WB took those cartoons away from me. I've never seen Pinky and the Brain. It's a gorgeous Christmas special. It's uh, also moving. But they have so many regrets about this. And Oakley says we should have nominated Mother Simpson. Uh, Emmy voters, won. Emmy voters won. will not vote for a Halloween thing. They're all old and crusty. They're yeah, not going to vote for some scary thing. Especially one with CGI and blood. But yeah. if they have one about warm feelings for your mom, they would have voted for that. They I think it's um, I think it would have won. Though yeah. you know, the Emmy voters might have just been like, "Simpsons always wins." Let's give it to somebody else. That's that could true. also have been going against them. Mm, they missed a few Emmys. Yeah, yeah they did. Yeah, yeah. The, like, last year, Will Vinton, they yeah. lost it. But last year it was uh, Lisa's wedding that won. Yeah, yeah. Again, a heartstring puller. Which this one was not, but man, this was a good treehouse. Yes, thanks for hanging in with us. Uh, We haven't podcasted in a while, so we forgot how it works. We just enjoy talking. We haven't haven't been on mic since the live show, so yeah. yeah. So thanks for thanks for coming out to that. Yeah, thanks. Uh, Hear that on the Patreon and and the free feed as well. Yes, and thank you so much for listening, folks. I've been your host, Bob Mackey. You can find me on Twitter as Bob Servo. My other podcast is Retronauts, a classic gaming podcast. Look for Retronauts in your podcast device, or go to retronauts.com. We've been around for a 
11 years, so I say find a topic that interests you and download that episode, and you probably will like it if you like me. And if you don't like me, work on yourself. <laughs> Goodbye. Have you done a missed episode yet? Uh, No, no, Jeremy has. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah. It's, so it's one of those things, those games, it's, it's so fucking important, but it sucks. It does not age well. It bored the shit out of me. I but, never and it, and it mask. I didn't get to say this in the missed rant. It masqueraded itself as educational. It's like mm. the, the only game my parents bought me. Like, <laughs> God damn it. Uh, so you can follow this show on patreon.com slash talking Simpsons, which is home to tons of exclusive things that are almost too hard to list, but going to give it a try here. Do you have an interview with Dana Gould? <laughs> we have our live show with Dana Gould. Oh. We have our second live show uh, where we talked about Homer's best job. We did every episode of the first season of Talking Simpsons exclusively there. We have all of our season wrap-ups, which you can listen to. Do you look at deleted scenes? Our deleted scene mm-hmm. specials as well. Doing every episode of Talking Critic from the beginning. Oh. And soon we'll be starting Talking Futurama, which oh. I think you guys are going to really enjoy. We also have a third podcast we're getting ready to start up soon, which will be available a week early and ad-free, just like this show is and if you're a premium subscriber you get access to one video a month including me and bob going over every short of the simpsons in order and you can watch it along with us and we've got some other really cool interviews are coming but in the past not on on top of dana gould we also have bill oakley mimi pond mike scully paul provenzano and reed harrison all folks who had worked on the simpsons in one way or another you learn so much from those i'd be stupid not to donate yeah come on <laughs> i feel like i've plugged the laser time patreon too many times in one episode but oh, that, that's on, also man. there Get that uh, Elm Street Nightmare podcast. Hell yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, and then there's the, we're watching all the Clerks cartoons and doing commentaries for a lot wow, of Kevin Smith movies. Wow, all six of them. Yeah. <laughs> I, no, can't believe, I can't believe we had the balls to do it. No, uh, I think that's great. I had, to, I, I had to steal the easy bait before you guys did. Uh, like, Bear is driving. <laughs> up in that, and there's tons of Halloween-y classic oh, yeah, episodes yeah. of Laser Time. Monster Parties is obviously my favorite, but there's <laughs> lots great. of great ones. I liked Facts About Dracula and no one else did. No, that was facts fun. About I Dracula. That that, at, the, at that recording, and I think it's two years ago, there was still one person left alive from the Bela Lugosi Dracula movie and she <laughs> wow. was in a movie that year holy cow indeed lasertimepodcast.com we also do 30, 20, 10 we look 30, 20, and 10 years in the past somewhat recently we had to discuss the airing of that 90s show mm. and uh, my feelings on it have cooled a little bit I hope mm. yours have too uh, and uh, Video Game Apocalypse, our weekly video game show. We do a bonus show every week. You guys have been on a ton talking about uh, wrestling and uh, other things. Bob and Henry have been on bonus time before. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's Japan, my trip to Japan. Trip to Japan. And that's that. exclusive for uh, patrons at patreon.com slash laser time. <laughs> that's uh, cool. Oh, and if I may adjust our begging for money, too, I should <laughs> mention, I just had a wedding, so, you know, if you wanted to get a nice gift for old Henry, a Patreon sign-up is always a good gift. Yeah, I agree. So thanks so much for listening to this King Size episode. We'll see you next week for King Size Homer. fall asleep, we could die. Eh, welcome to my world.